Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to a very special midweek motorsport. It is season 14, episode 3. And at this time of the year, there's only one place to be. If it's the back end of January, it has to be Daytona International Speedway, the world centre of speed. It's the Rolex 24 Daytona this weekend. Full live coverage of all of the action via RS2, IMSA Radio, of course. But we kick off the race week with Midweek Motorsport, live from our broadcast booth, adjacent to race control, looking over the start-finish line, and that beautiful Daytona graphic on the tri-oval grass. Just to the left of that, the 50th anniversary rhombus, which is sitting there, the IMSA 50th anniversary, as we start this golden year for the International Motorsports Association. Bit of rain this morning has turned into quite a nice afternoon, wind's blowing a little bit, but it's still in the uh, high teens to early 20s Celsius. Very pleasant indeed. Meantime, over and up in London, our executive producer is Tim Gray. Hello, Tim. Hello, John, because there's only one place to be at this time in January, and that's sitting on the south bank of the River Thames. <laughs> For you, that is, that is very true. Very true. And on a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we'll have as many as the usual features as we can, but we won't have all of them. Uh, okay. But we will be talking about uh, the most important news stories that uh, everyone else is talking about and some that no one else is talking about. But we'll have a lot of Daytona preview uh, because Excellent. that's happening this weekend. And something else that's happening this weekend uh, will give us another uh, little preview uh, because, of course, it's the first round of the uh, World Rally Championship. <laughs> which Nick Damon is understandably very excited about. Very excited, it sounds like. Excellent. More on very that in good. the second hour. Okay, that's fine. We've got a big interview tonight, uh, which is actually three people at one subject, and that is Porsche and Brumos. Uh, because if you missed the news this morning, uh, the two Porsche Works cars in GT Le Mans will be running in the iconic, the classic, the instantly recognisable for anyone around here and any sports car fan pretty much in the whole of the North American continent. The red and blue stripes on a white background of Brumos Racing makes a comeback to the Speedway. More on that just after 9 o'clock in the UK in the second hour of uh, tonight's show. Got a couple of special guests in the studio already. We're in the broadcast booth here and more potentially to join us. I'll do a little bit, if I may, Tim, of housekeeping before we kick on Go to ahead. the first news stories. Hello to Christi Christopher Matthews, who's uh, listening in live as he does some of the chores around the apartments. Thankfully, he says the heat is working again. 
Oh, where are you in Europe, Christopher? Are you in Austria somewhere? Lots of snow there last week. Uh, Moni, Monica, thank you very much for a lovely evening yesterday. She's tuned in from her cube, waving in our general direction, uh, and she'll be across the road. Uh, we're at One Daytona this evening for a driver chat and a fan forum. That's after the show tonight, 7 o'clock local time. Uh, Yoda's uncle says, is it 8 o'clock yet or has my clock started running backwards? It is 8 o'clock, it's just after that now. Nicholas Langton says, is it just me or is this year's Rolex 24 hours shaping up to be the best liveried race in history? Absolute delight in every class. Don't disagree with you there. Hello, Ian McCarthy, listening from a frozen northern Hungary. Can we get excited about all the coloured vroom vrooms yet? Can we, can we, can we? Yes, Ian, you can. Carol Brink is on the left-hand course, tuned in from beautiful Monterey, California. Right Turn Lover has dinner cooking and ready to listen. Matt Hunter, ready and waiting. He's done his rugby training, he's done his dinner. Happy that it's midweek motorsport. Matt will be back tomorrow night with the first of 2019's Torah radio shows and they've got some great stuff on that. Cliff Norris says, any truth in the rumour that the Duke of Edinburgh is a late entry for Daytona this weekend? Too early, Cliff. Too early still for that. Uh, Lewis Willing, apologies for absence. I'm ill. It's not pretty. Uh, I hope you're listening on the podcast and by then you're feeling a little better. Hello to Michael Denny, listening live for the first time this year. Hang on, we've done two shows, Michael. Where have you been? I didn't see a note from your mum for absence. What's going on there? Jeff Doty is saying, um, just the fact that we're getting very excited about the current liveries, uh, sorry, about the retro liveries, does it mean that the current ones are dull and boring? We may discuss that a bit later on. Chris Suku listening in tonight. Uh, duck salad wraps. Then he'll be painting a small wall in the dining room. I, I don't understand why you're painting a small wall in the in the dining room. Would you not just paint it as a single colour try, instead of trying to make it look like bricks? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe he's no got a wall that he has assembled separate from the walls that form his dining room. Yeah, and oh, he's oh, painting just that there. and he's then going to take it outside through the French okay, windows. Okay, sort of... As a, as a sort of uh, prefabricated wall. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'll buy that for a dollar. Spooner and Orange listening in. First week in a new job. And he said, now I can listen to each week live. Great stuff. Uh, Nicholas Langton is listening in uh, and wants to talk liveries as well. Uh, Zach Ad- Evans says, uh, some sort of IMSA Premier Shindig in Daytona. Yes. And we'll be stream- streaming that on IMSA Facebook page as well. Nicky, Str- Nicky Swan from Newcastle at one time. Looking forward to a great few days in the company of the whole IMSA radio team. As well, you should be, Nicky. How is it in the northeast tonight? Ted the Toyman, David Two Bruce, the Crotch Belt, Stephen, Matt Hawkins, Kevin Payne, Jonathan Frank, Andy Blackmore. Hello, mate. Uh, busy on liveries. Uh, he's de- designing a Porsche GT3 Cup US entry. Sterling job on the spotless guide. Andy, James Ryder uh, and... Finally, listening live without interruption next, and uh, thanks to new optic fibre. Can't wait to see the cars moving. That's Jack, just Jack. Great Twitter handle. It's Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode number three. We're live from above the start-finish line at Daytona, and here's the top story. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. What's the top story to... Shall I, can I introduce our guests first? Yes, do. Um, on my right, uh, geographically, uh, is Shea Adam. Hello, is Shea. To Hello, the Jack. north, south, east or west? 
Uh, it's actually to the south. Uh, no, you sort of to the west. Well, yes, but I'm I'm always further south than everybody. All right, I'll move up a bit then. There we go. Thank you. And but the problem is then I have to then step forward because always slightly further north than anybody else, and welcome back to the airwaves of what now is IMSA Radio. What the last time I think that you were on would have been the LMS Radio Web. That's Jamie Howe. Thank you. Hello. You've not been up here before, have you? I have not. I, Shay brought me over from the from the paddock and garage area, and I told her I've never I've never been to this side of the world. And it's beautiful. They it's, call this the first ever motorsport stadium, and you is. can see why when you sit here. <clears throat> yes, I mean I've obviously I've stood down on pit lane and I've looked up at this monstrosity, but standing up here mm. and looking down, it's. I see why they built it. It's fantastic. Yes. It yeah. really is. Uh, more from uh, Shay and Jamie throughout this evening. We've got other guests keyed up to come along as well. Where are you taking us for our top story? You said possibly rallying? Uh, no, we'll Mr. do that Brent? in the second hour. Oh, yes, you did. After the beginning. Yes, go ahead. Uh, okay. It's been quite a quiet week. Um, really? Particularly in Formula One, where the most exciting thing uh, to be announced by Formula One is that they're going to be showing live coverage of testing. Are they? Yes. Is that from? Barcelona. Is that from? I was expecting a jingle there. She died last year. Are we not using it anymore Aww. now? In in honour thereof. Uh, okay. No, we're not using so it. So the circuit Catalonia. Circuit the Catalonia. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. So that, that means that this week, uh, Formula One journalists, in order to get some stories, have uh, had to turn to the uh, renter quotes. Oh dear. And with uh, so this is where we really should have Nick Damon, but he's not available to us tonight, is he? He's not. Uh, he's probably being interviewed about Formula One by uh, a rival website. Uh, right. <laughs> really? Just, just so that they've got something to write. Okay. Um, so, so who's so been talking? Uh, Nicky Lauda's not very Loudest, well, so it can't uh, be Nicky. Not fully recovered yet. Uh, so uh, this week it's been the turn of Eddie Irvine to give his opinion on the current uh, state of Formula oh One. Boy. Right, so clearly it was always better when he was involved, was it? Uh, Shay, Eddie lives near you, doesn't he? Does he? Yes. I didn't realise that. I knew that uh, Mr. Bell lives not too far away, up in Boca. No, Eddie's got a few properties down your way, I think. Oh. He owns a lot of Florida. around the corner. He owns a lot of Florida. He a lot of Florida waterfront. He he made, at one stage, he was making, I think, Probably a lot more out of his property, Tim, than he ever was driving, in, even in Formula One. I think he made more money driving in Formula Nippon than he made driving in Formula One. Well, and then yeah. that's that into property in Florida. That's probably right. Probably right. What's he been saying then? On what subject has he been? Brought? Where did the find? I was going to say where to dig him up from, but I didn't mean like that. <laughs> Florida. He's been so out of yeah. out of touch for such a long time. So okay. So what's he been? What's he been spouting forth on? He doesn't I say? understand how Sebastian Vettel's achieved four world championships. Well, I, I think he's not alone in that. I think Vettel is very good if he's at the front and doesn't have anybody to race. Said Irvine. And he's and he's got a good car. When he's racing someone. He's focused as much on the other guy as he is on where he is going and inevitably crashes, which happens nearly all the time. Well, that, that's what inevitably means, so he didn't really have to justify the word, I don't think. I think Vettel's <laughs> a good driver, but as a four-times world champion, I just don't see it. He's massively overrated. He's a one-trick pony. 
I mean, in fairness, uh, it's hard to to to, to uh, argue. It's what with we've quite been a lot saying of, uh, for five years or more. Yes, but in he's not. Listen, he's not a bad driver. I, I'm not. I'm not going to have anybody say that Vettel isn't a talented driver. He's a talented driver. There's no doubt about it. But he likes things the way he likes them, and he's not going to get more out of the car, Jamie, than than there is in the car. I think one of the things that gets overlooked a lot of times when you have a champion that you can't figure out how they've been able to make it work is that a large part of being a champion is being there when you need to be there. And you make the most of every situation. And not everybody can do that. Not every, and it's not, not just being behind the wheel. It's right. about being in the right team with the right car, with the right people yep. around you at the right time. And not everybody can recognize those situations and make the most of That's them. That's very good. In fairness, there was no one in front of him at Germany when he crashed this year, so it's not just target fixation. No, no. That, but that no, was, was just a qualifying, yeah. though. No, no, when he no, went no, off in the race. Oh, when he was leading. Yes, he went off in the, uh, in the uh, stadium section, right in front of all of Verstappen's uh, supporters, as I say to remember. Who uh, was so, who do we think Eddie Irvine rates? Lewis? I think Lewis is in a different league from all of them. But he's not in Michael's league, and I don't think he's even close. Mm, okay. Uh, and what's his justification for that? Is there any? If you look at the two years that Lewis and Jensen were teammates, Button outscored him. Mm-hmm. No one ever did yeah. that to Schumacher. Well, apart from Reichen, uh, apart from Kimi. Apart no, from Eddie Nico. Irvine. Nico. And Eddie Irvine, yeah. Exactly. But now, in fairness, the year that Eddie Irvine outscored him, um, Schumacher lost some races due to not he, being yeah, in the he, car. He did have a broken leg for <laughs> With seven a broken of leg. them, yeah. <laughs> yes. But when, he, but when Schumacher came back, Nico outscored him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Just saying. Right, Okay. Why was he contacted? Has he found the need? To, uh, just, uh, listen, no, don't. Uh, I'm, I'm get, it's like watching a, a reality TV. I'm getting sucked into that story, and I really don't need to. It's like watching one of those police crash things. You, you go, oh, this is rubbish. What is he doing there? What? Oh, no, don't, don't get sucked in. Moving on. Next well, story. Luckily, there's no more to that one, so we are going to move on. There wasn't much to it to start with, in fairness. <laughs> Carry uh, on, Tim. What have you got next? Do you remember Dan Tictum? I do remember yes. Dan Tictum. Uh, now, Dan uh, wants to be a uh, Red Bull driver, but doesn't have enough super license points due to being banned from racing a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, so he thought that, because obviously you need 40 super license points to get a super license, uh, uh-huh. and he has 35 based on uh, where he finished in Formula 3 last year. Right. So he thought, how can I get five points? And the answer... Did he go and do some obscure um, winter European single-seater series? Winter Asian single-seater series. The oh, well, that, that the three championship, in fact. Uh, right. And uh, he's been doing quite well over there. And uh, right. certainly been doing well enough to get uh, five super license points. But? Except I feel there's a but. Can the we? FIA <laughs> has just said that that championship isn't allowed to give you any super license points no way. <laughs> because the rules state that a championship must run over five different weekends at a minimum of three different circuits and the Asian Formula 3 championship doesn't. Oh dear. Oh dear. He's not going to be a happy Dan Tictum, is he? Well, he really needs to stop doing interviews too because I saw an interview that he did in that series and it was abysmal. How's your weekend been? It's been a disaster Terrible. from start to finish, he said. Yeah. 
All and championships. Poor, poor interviewer. <laughs> just, just didn't know where yeah. to put herself. All championships listed in the table are eligible for super license points, should the criteria oh. defined in Appendix L be met, explained an FIA delegate. I'm Any sure championship did, yes. which does not meet the Appendix L requirements will unfortunately not be eligible for super license points. So poor Dan's gone and done all those races and he still hasn't got his super license. But it's good experience. news. <laughs> 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 Jamie, you are so positive. I love having you, I love having uh. you back. Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was my shiny things are on the pit lane in front of us, Tim, because the Michelin Pilot Challenge cars are coming out, and there are some cars here that we haven't seen at the Raw, including the McLarens and the Hyundai Veloster Ns are here and, as well. And, and, there's, and there's a, a Camaro <laughs> being dangled by a crane. Oh yes, being lowered onto the roof of the Chevrolet oh, it's Experience been taken Center. Off the roof, actually. They're it, trying to reposition it. Oh, they're turning it around. Are yeah. they? It was pointing in the wrong direction. Yes. Bright that would have been a Camaro. 97 point didn't, turn. didn't work for that, did it? No, it, it, you're right. And I think there needs to be a small porcelain elephant just slightly to the left of centre on that turntable as well. It wasn't going track direction. So in fairness. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. We've got the OCD twins here as well. Everything's <laughs> got to be nice and, neat and tidy. I did look. I tidied up the top of the bench yes, before yes, you came. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. no trailing wires. I know, I know my job. Uh, so Dan Tickton, no super licence then. Uh, that's good news for a different Dan, though. Which which Dan would that be? That would be Daniel Kriat. Ah. Who's obviously driving in the actual Toro Rosso for uh, what looks like the whole of the season now. Right. Did we, act, did we expect he would get replaced? Is That was the, that was the thought. That, that was a rumour. Uh, right. He is the fourth lowest, fifth lowest paid driver in Formula 1 this season. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who's the lowest paid, then? Stroll because he's paying. No. Oh no. Who uh, who brings money? Who uh, brings Lance money Stroll money? is uh, on a salary of one million euros. One million euros. Is, isn't that just his allowance, though, Tim? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> who, who else do you think is uh, earning one million euros this season? George Russell. No, George Russell is no. uh, near the bottom. He's only one hundred and sixty thousand. Oh, really? Jamie wouldn't work for that. She wouldn't take the pay cut. She absolutely wouldn't take the pay cut for You're that. You're right, I wouldn't. No. <laughs> Doesn't get out the motorhome for that kind of money. Even Damn he's me. not the lowest paid. I have to get out of bed because of the little people that need he's me not to. But well, that's true. He's not the lowest paid at 160 grand. No. What's the lowest paid Formula One driver then? 150,000 euros for Alex Albon. Oh. Really? Hmm. What is the what is the exchange rate right now? What is that in dollars? Euro to the dollar is about That's one about to one. Same. Yeah, okay. it's about the same. One hundred fifty thousand dollars to drive an F one. Wow. He, I presume he's got personal sponsorship though, Tim. Well, you is hope that so. what he's getting from the manufacturer? Anyway, anyway, by the by, moving on. Although his shirt only has team sponsors on it. Oh, right. uh, okay. Antonio Giovinazzi has two hundred thousand uh, coming to him. Lando Norris is on two hundred twenty-five. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kubica, half a million. Really? Yes. These numbers, I have a serious question to ask here. I, 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 it's, it sort of interests me, but only sort of interests me. Are these numbers that he's being, that these drivers are being paid by the team, or are these best guess, est, best guess 
estimates of what they're taking out of the sponsorship that they bring to the team because th- mm. there's, there's elements of that. These are estimated annual wages based on uh, data from Forbes and the BBC who have done a survey of their own. Uh, yeah, the BBC not, not great on wages though. Do not necessarily uh, include finish bonuses. All right. Mm. You know what I've never understood about those exercises? Why do they care? I know. Yeah. You're, you're not going to, like, nobody's going to walk through the grocery store and say, I wonder how much, what the salary is for a bagger. Why do they care what people make for their <laughs> jobs? You need to come on more often. <laughs> yeah. You're very good. Moving on, Tim. What else have we got? Uh, can you guess who the top four are? Uh, Lewis, yes, Vettel, number one, fifty million. Uh, Sebastian's on forty million. Uh, Raikkonen, no, not now. He moved down, down to four million. But he gets part of Sauber <laughs> and Switzerland. I think he's got the whole of Switzerland. <laughs> any team, money yeah. he can find, any Fair money he can find down the back <laughs> of the banking sofas in Switzerland. That's why Ooh. he went there. Uh, let me see, uh, Bottas. Uh, no, he's just outside the top no. four, fifth at five. Right. Oh, oh, the Rick two Velosters are in different colours. Yes. Twenty so ones in black apart. and the other ones in blue. Light blue. Excellent. Uh Ricciardo? Yes, he's third, fifteen million. So who's fourth? Uh th- 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 twelve million euros. Verstappen? Yes. Is Verstappen. Verstappen? Yeah, yeah, good call, sure. Good call. Is he worth three times Raikkonen? No, not no. in my book. He might be one dear, but not quite now. Uh, but you see, I like Reagan, and I'm, I'm a Reagan. Andy, Andy Blackmore has uh, joined. He's on. A, he's on twelve million a year, isn't he, Andy Blackmore? <laughs> I'd hope <laughs> he so. Should be. Uh, he's joined the Dan Tickton Fund. Has he? Uh, yes, he said. Uh, the amusing thing is, various people were trying to tell Dan this on social media weeks ago. Oh, excellent! And he completely ignored them, did he? Yes. Mm. Um. Before we move on, some more uh, Twitterage coming in. Sarah Rigby has tweeted in at Spec Entertainment. Tuned in, listening live, looking forward to a feast of motorsports. Hello to uh, Shea and to Jamie and to Tim and the rest of the team. Hello, Sarah. Thanks very much. Hope Martin's feeling a bit better as well. Adrian Michael Reese falls over upon entry. He said, Sorry, I got here as quick as I could. Uh, the both bulbs that light up the fortress of Sofitude have gone kaput. The laptops also black. Really should change the bulbs during the day, <laughs> he said. <laughs> EMR, thank you for that. Thank you very much. Self-inflicted bird blocks challenge, says Matt Hunter. Very good. Chris Sucker says, welcome back to Jamie. Yes, we're very, very pleased to have Jamie back. Um, any other listeners instantly roll their eyes, says James Ryder, when they see an Irvine or a Villeneuve interview. I'd love to see someone find the last time they said anything that was mildly positive. It's a fair point, well made and beautifully presented. Daniel Tripp uh, points out that uh, Jamie and Cher are the best pit reporters in the business. I think uh, Joe and Bruce might have something to say about that. (laughs) They're not here. Uh, Wait, let's wait for their comment. And they don't have anything to say. So you you win by default. That's like going to court and the other side haven't turned up. You two get the verdict. We're out of the speaking You cannot be in the best category if you're not even here. Yeah. Really? Oh, we're starting something <laughs> here already, <laughs> aren't we? Now, come Saturday, we could be having a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this could all go horribly wrong. Way you're to only go, Daniel. Having a, Thanks, buddy. Only having a different conversation on Saturday if Joe actually gets to listen to this show before then. Yes, that's a fair. That's that's no, he will do. I know what he's like. Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Holland says, were the now retro liveries cool in period or just liveries? 
perhaps that lends a clue to tomorrow's retro, which the today's liveries also being considered cool. All in the eye of the beer holder, very good. Perhaps now I think most of the the the, the liveries that we still see is cool now. I seem to remember them being cool, or or at least iconic in time. I mean, you look at that that Brumos livery, Jamie, and mm-hmm. if you've been around motor racing in North America any amount of time, and you know, all right. They weren't always in the ALMS when we were working the ALMS, but that livery was known. It was known, yep. And it, it, it has history and it has provenance to go along with it. Yes, and I think I do think that today's liveries will become cool in the retro because of video games. So Ooh. when you know kids now, they may not be at racetracks as much as they used to be, and they may not know the drivers, but they play the video games, they play Forza, they know what the cars look like, and I think that. In 20 years, oh, I used to I used to play that car on on Forza. But that's yeah. I mean the Falcon tires livery, yep. which of course you were very close yep. to with Brian driving for them back in a few years ago. That I got to know that livery from video games mm-hmm. because they raced in Super GT. Yep. And yep. that that was and at the Nurburgring as well, of course. And they were they were smart because they used the same livery worldwide, even on different cars. Right. But I think like the the Ford GT livery that won at Le Mans, yeah. I think that that will in 20 years be one of the right. retro liveries that people remember. I, I've got to say, I looked at the Castro livery on the Ford today as I was walking out through the paddock. Yes, shock horror. I was looking at race cars. I don't know it doesn't <laughs> normally happen. No. Um, but she dragged me to make sure I did. <laughs> and and all I could see with that shit was Jaguar. Yeah. You, you know, know. A, North America, particularly Castro livery. Um, with a six on the side, <laughs> a, a number win in the 60s, then that for me is Jaguar. Yeah, it should be a GTP car spitting fire out the back end of it, yeah. for sure. And you did look for the little cat on the front of the car and then saw there a blue, a blue oval, oval instead. Put right off that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw a John Force funny car when I saw it for the first time. Of course you did. Of course you did. Have it with the with the drag yeah. racing and you and you working in NHRA. It's an interesting one, Nick. And uh, let's have your thoughts on retro liveries. They, were they cool then? Or are they just... Is everything better in the eye of the beholder? David Faulkner's not making it tonight. Uh, he's got an early morning safety meeting. He's asked his rooftop rear coming back this year. Yes, yep. he is. Absolutely. Nine uh, to six, I believe, he said. Yes, but the, the, he's only being rooftop rear on his own uh, for a little bit in the middle of the night. We'll get some details uh, of that. Uh, a few people liking the Velosta N already from the pictures that have been out there. Hurt and Motorsport with the... Hurt and Motorsport, rather, having brought those two cars here. Um, I liked Jamie before, but now I love her. Particularly the input <laughs> to the program already, says Mick McIntyre. Thanks, oh, Rick. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Cliff Norris says, uh, after you, 40 pretends tax and a bit more national insurance, Land Oak and driver McLaren, but couldn't buy one, he says. <laughs> Very good. Very good indeed. Keep it coming in. Great liveries now. A lot of people are seeing about the liveries. I think we're going to be doing a full programme on liveries. Is Andy Blackmore here this weekend, or was he only here? No, he was here at the Roar. Yeah, no, I didn't get to see him, unfortunately. Uh, Andy Andy Blackmore says, can we have Jamie every week, please? Recast Castrol, the uh, IMSA 50 livery project wasn't for the teams, but for sponsors as well, if AG uh, wins on the Mercedes. Two Mercedes we've just seen with the wins livery because the GT4 cars in that livery as well. Yeah, and the uh, Riley Technologies for the first time running a GS car, so that will be something to look for in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. They've mm. got a three-driver lineup, including gold driver Jerome Blakemullen, who can come back to the series after a long time because no platinum's allowed. Right. He comes back, and another throwback livery is the Multimatic Mustang, which mm-hmm. will be piloted by another former platinum driver, Billy Johnson. 
they match the motorcraft that the 66 Ford GT will be running. All right. So it's going to be really cool to see those Fords out there too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, the thing is, there's a lot of retro liveries out there, but I think it's still going to work. It's a 50th anniversary year, right. for goodness sake. So it's good to see the teams getting behind it, Jim. Yep, it is. It, if nothing else, it has people talking about cars again, yeah. which doesn't happen every year. So I think it's it's great for the sport. It, it's something excellent for the fans. They can walk around and, and see everything. And, and they're not going to last, so it does make this race a little uh, more special uh, also. For older people like me... Uh, not like you two, but for all the people like me, I look at some of these, and of course, it immediately takes me back to the car. And that's, a, that's a something else that fans can talk about. So, you know, a, a new generation of fans coming in with either, you know, older friends or older family members, they'll say, were you around when these guys were running in, in paper? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it was so-and-so that drove that car, and that, well, that was one of my favourites. And yep. uh, immediately then, you've got some points of interest uh, and commonality between different eras of fans haven't you well you also have generations i guarantee you at some we may not hear about it but i guarantee at least one time this weekend there will be a dad walking through the paddock or a mom with his with their son daughter whoever and they're going to see the the porsche 911 with the brumos livery on it and they're going to say i was here when this when? car ran yes and i have a picture of me standing next to it and then they're going to take a picture of their kids standing next to the brumos car they're going to go home and match them up and it's something that they're going to remember it becomes an experience that they were a part of um and that is how important is that for young you've got young oh, kids yeah. Yeah. And are they already, I mean, obviously oh they're gosh. in a motor racing family, but they're yes. already <laughs> beginning to develop that, are they? Oh, yes. Liam, um, our son, he is... Who's how old He's now? four. <gasps> he's not. So he's four, um, but he recognizes cars. Like with Brian and the, the red Lamborghini. He When he saw the Lambo for the first time in blue and black, well, that's not your Lamborghini. That's somebody else's Lamborghini. Kids recognize these things. And so then you have conversations about what the car looks like and who drives that red car and who drives that blue car. And <laughs> it's an experience for families. Um, joining us now, champion Owen Trinkler. Um, ask you about that in a moment. Liveries. What does that mean for a drink? Your car is a spectacular livery this year, the TGM cars. Um, they are particularly chameleon-like. What, what does it mean to, to drivers' livery? Or do you just want the fastest car you can have? Well, no, I mean, I, I think the livery, um, I was a big... Uh big fan of this that IMSA was doing this in IMSA 50 that I think we should have a uh, a throwback weekend kind of like NASCAR does they do mm -hmm. a Darlington if it's Watkins Glen for us every year that we do this mm -hmm. um, maybe we can get TGM involved and I'm not uh, Mercedes historian so I'm not sure what livery we would run other than the silver arrows that they yes. ran at Le Mans but if somebody can go out there and tweet us what we should run maybe oh. we can talk uh, Ted into doing something maybe later in the year because uh we might have to do some throwback stuff here uh, soon. I think it's a great thing, and the uh, IMSA in the 50 years is just unbelievable. Some of the uh, liveries that we've seen come out. Uh, th that's that's quite interesting that um, you've, you've mentioned that y your teammate, uh, uh, joint champion, Hugh Plum. Oh, how yeah. are you? The, the, you. You're good. Uh, yeah. Did you have a? I was going to say, did you have a good break? But there's there's no break. We now. didn't have a break. Yeah. None. What break did we have? <laughs> <laughs> L liveries for you when you look back. At motor racing, what what do you remember? What sticks out in your mind? Do does anything stick out? In your mind? No, nothing sticks. I don't. You know what? I I don't think I really even pay attention to the liveries. To to be honest with you, <laughs> is that as a driver rather than a fan? Um, 
I think that's as a, you know, I I I I got to be truthful. I I don't watch a lot of racing. Well, that's because you're doing it. Right. So <laughs> when I'm at home, either I'm in the cockpit of the car or I'm, you know, kibitzing with our uh, team guys about the race, and we watch that. Um, but I don't watch a lot of Formula One. I don't no. watch other sports car racing. I don't watch Do any. you watch your own races? Serious question. Do you go back and do you watch your own races when they when they come on on replay or you go on and, and watch the, the, I, the, the download? Or? I get, I have to, once Does it again, depend on the be result? honest with you, it, it depends on the results. That, that's fine. <laughs> that's a very, very honest, very, very honest answer. You know, it, it's always being talked about, about there are races on and I, I, I have no interest in watching something that didn't go, go well, uh, because by the time I've left the racetrack, I know what didn't go well, yes. and I know what we have to improve on, and uh, that's already kind of going on in my brain as to what we have to do better. I don't want to punish myself and So watch. you watched a lot of races last yeah. year, though, right? So <laughs> you watched it, especially yeah, yeah. the second half of the season, you watched an awful So I spent a lot of time on the couch last year. <laughs> No. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, as far as right liveries, so is helmet design. How does helmet? Where does helmet design stack up? <laughs> we were just having this you. conversation earlier. <laughs> yeah, because I have I have none. My teammate <laughs> doesn't uh, approve of even painting his helmet. I always thought that really? you, have, you have to win a race through all my racing of whatever I did: BMX, motocross, uh, road racing here at Daytona on a motorcycle. That you can't get your helmet painted until you win a race. So, Owen, can we? I'll treat you. Okay. I'll, I'll so, go, you got, okay. so you got a plain helmet? Oh, yeah. I've had yeah. it for years, yeah. Just plain black. I mean, at times I've had it painted. I've had one painted, but I switched over in uh, 17 to a black helmet, and then last year ran all black. And, yeah, so Hugh shows up today with his Hans <laughs> device painted, the back Ooh, of it. And so now he's yeah. really making me feel shameful now that we're like – now I'm like a hillbilly racer. Nothing's painted. So. Oh, <laughs> well, the good news is if you ever lose your helmet, you just know that you've only got to find a black helmet. That's right. Who's got the black helmet? That's mine. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Owen Trinkler would change his underwear unless he had to. He's <laughs> the most frugal person I've ever met in my life. We are live live. This is live live. Oh, I thought we were just talking here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we are. Because it's, it's broadcasting's just talking. It's, it's, honestly. Honestly. Uh, 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 I can tell you the color he is right now. He's it's bright red. red. Yeah. It is bright red. I really wish we had the comcom in here. This, this view's great out here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How about fantastic. those football games last week? Hey. Yeah. How about that no call? Let's yeah. not let, yeah. let's not go there. Uh, you guys come into this seat. First of all, have you had a chance to enjoy being champions? Uh, you know, it, it happened. It's a petite. You're pretty much back to work straight away. Is is there time to actually enjoy having won the championship, or are you already in your mind getting ready for this race right here, right now? I think we, um, John, I mean, to answer your question, we had a great time at the banquet and uh, with the team and Hugh and my, with our families and stuff. We got to enjoy that. Jamie was just talking about her kids with my kids and, and Hugh's kids that they got to enjoy that time because all the hard work that goes in, we've talked about that before, how much mm. family means to me. Oh, yeah. I know it does to Hugh, uh, what the families go through through a season. We got to go to uh, – Stuttgart to Germany, yeah, and uh, the AMG banquet. Oh, that for was the night of champions, a, yeah, yeah that very was good. Great, uh, did you time. go to the museum? We uh, yes, yeah, we did make it to the museum. Had to quickly go through it, but uh, we did get to go over there and make that trip. And uh, thanks to the Giovannis for taking us over there. And Ted got to go, and we got very some cool. awards. And I think after that, um, Hugh can kind of 
give his answer to this, but I think after that banquet, we kind of reset our focus and we're back to what we need to do this well, year. And we've been here for four days testing before we came to the Roar, so we already kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into in 19. Well, it's a big change, you because you're on different rubber this year. Yeah, you're, you're on, yeah, on the Michelin. And, yes. and, you know, just for, for those, I mean, look, most of the people that are listening to us know motor racing, but just put in perspective... Just how much work that is changing over from one tyre supplier to another in terms of getting the car set up. Was it a lot of work? Is it, is it just getting to know how the tyres are going to work? What, is it fundamental change in setup and spring rates and things like that? What, what have you been going through? I think, uh, I think with a GT4 car, for us at least, it hasn't been, you know, yes, it's been a lot of work to try to, try to figure out the, the exact sweet spot of what this car really wants with the Michelin uh, you know, I think some of the things we don't know is what's this, uh, what's the tire going to feel like on the longer runs at the end of, of you know, uh, uh, well, in our case, a 35 minute stint, what's that going to feel like <laughs> yeah. uh, at oh, the yeah. end of our tire run? Um, so what we do know is it's faster right. uh, performance wise. Uh, that one lap is quite a bit quicker, but it's quicker for everybody. Uh, and, and But does that mo- put more strain on you and put more strain on the equipment as well? Is that going to be something you're going to have to get used to? Is it going to be more tiring? Are you, have you got more loads in the corners? Uh, and the answer to all of that is yes. Right. It's just, you know, what is it going to feel like? Because my job really is that last uh, is to take what Owen's given to me, which is a absolutely perfect, uh, you know, no racing stripes on the on the <laughs> wheel wells, and our car is the same color as it was when we started. Uh, really, that's very true. But for me to get in the car and go to the end, to the end, and yeah. that's the part we don't know about is where we are based on how everybody else is looking at the same time. And Owen, yeah. you start here with one of the, the longest rest of, of the year yeah, for, for so you guys. So Friday this week, live in Sound and Vision across the world in the, here in the States. Sound and Vision perfectly synchronized together. If you want to listen in audio, obviously we've got it on uh, in audio as well on, on IMSA Radio. Um, you start off with one of the biggest challenges of the year because it's a, a race that takes you into areas that you'll not be again for, for most of the rest of the season. Yeah, it's an interesting race to start four hours with us. And then, like you was saying, it's kind of unknown. We, we've gone on some long runs. We put about two hours on the Michelin on a set of tires here during the war. And, uh, on one set of tires? On one set of tires. So we feel like we can run wow. pretty good, but our, our unknown is what the competition does. I think our advantage last year is that we worked on long runs with yeah. the Continental and we made our car really, really good in that situation. And the fall-off wasn't much. Now, the other makes had different results in that. They were dropping off a little bit more on lap time, and we kind of settled into a good pace always. And so I think that's the unknown. We've been running on long runs, but we don't really know what everybody else has been on their tire yeah. wear until we go through this first race. So it's, we're going to learn a lot. And to Hugh's point, we're going to make a lot of pit stops because we only run – we're going to be stretching if we can get to 40 minutes. So we're going to make almost six stops during this. Wow. Um, it's going to be interesting for you and Jeremy – and the group to watch what strategy Vardy comes up with because he's already working on it right Jeff now. And, so we're, and we're going to have to, where we are fuel-wise, we're going to have to work on some really creative strategies this year. What you might find, though, here is people are watching you guys because you're, you come into this as champions and your racing was excellent last year. So was your strategy. Joe on the pit wall there, Joe Vardy, who just mentioned, a not-so-secret weapon now because everybody knows what kind of things he can pull off. So you might find people are watching you guys to see and they'll wait to see what you do. Yeah, absolutely, um, and I think that's a, that's a that's a good thing, and that's one of the things last year we did, you know, 
use our assets to, uh, you know, our strategy calls us trying to, uh, you know, try to be patient and try to try to understand that we're in this for the championship and that, you know, there are no mistakes to be had. You know, mm -hmm. Joe always talks about don't ever call me on the radio and say, I just hit another car. And that would, <laughs> that would lurk in the back of my mind at all times. Good. But at some times you, you've got to, you know, or at all times you've got to be consistent and you've got to try to stay up front. And um, so I think that's what Owen and I will do very well. Mm -hmm. And for sure the strategy will be there and they'll, they're going to throw anything they can at us to, uh, to slow us down. But at the end of the day, we'll, you know, that's this TGM car will be there at the end. Um, tough to win a championship, even tougher to defend one. And, yeah. and you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of only half joke when I say there's a target uh, on the car this year because people will be watching you, but now you're no longer an unknown quantity. You are the champions. Did you think about taking the number one, by the way? Was that offered to you? Or did you just want to keep your, your normal race number? No, I think we, uh, you know, our team car, which went to a beautiful livery there on the four car, but I don't know if they really asked us, but we, I think you and I are good with the livery that we've got on. And yeah. Owen's, it, Owen hasn't changed his gloves in over a decade. <laughs> yeah. He's Actually, I had, had to throw a pair away at Sebring last year. There's a, and Shay and I talked about it. It was a funny story I about made that. Him. Yeah. And, um, bit smelly, Shay. Yeah, yeah Shay yeah, is. A bit smelly, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Ted, Ted knows why he put us together now because we both – both stink but uh, <laughs> to use point you know we talked about football but I, I feel like Vardy's like the Bill Belichick of this series yeah and we run it's like do your job mentality and that's yeah. that's the focus we take into it yeah we won the championship last year and that's great um, but it's a new year and it's a race ahead of us as Daytona and so we have to focus on that race and uh, we're going to do our jobs and it, we just need to get points and get out of here we want to win win this race but if we get out here with the top five we'll move on and go to Sebring and see what happens but that that's that, the attitude here that won you the championship last year no need to change out you take the points yeah. that are on offer you know and it's like in anything you do whether you're playing football or or driving around a racetrack you do every moment you have in the car every moment you're on the field to the best of your ability and the rest will kind of come out the other end and you know I think the good good drivers good good teams which here we are 2019 you know every team is is could win yes you yep. know on any given on any given race any given um weekend so you know we've got our hands full but we know we can do it we did it last year and there's no reason why we can't do it again here in 2019 yeah. sure, all the best yeah the we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it as you can see we, well we have a good time no matter what and so it, we're gonna be asking some very different questions of you now <laughs> about, right. instead of how were the tires is the car all right we'll be asking D did you leave the interior smelly or yeah. was it was it pleasant <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you got in the car i did that day at sebring so <laughs> I, I go listen to shay's interview from the roar and uh, we talked about that because uh i think the question was who leaves, leaves the lounge the messiest it was like who stinks the most in the lounge? And it's uh, us two right here. <laughs> That's it. Listen, enjoy. Be safe. Get the, get the weekend off to a to a good run when you get out there and, and, and race well. But most of all, enjoy. I know you will. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Keep thank you so Trinkler. much. Champions. Thank you. Defending champions for this year. Thanks for being with us, guys. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're live from Daytona overlooking the famous tri-oval with the Daytona logo on the grass in front of us. The place looking very nice. Just a little sprinkling of rain this morning that... Uh, has turned everything a very nice shade of green. Back over in London, uh, up in London, Tim Gray, what do you got for us next, Tim? Where would you like to go next? Uh, you would never guess the name that I'm going to start the next story with. 
Right, okay, well, I won't try them. I'm going to li- give you <laughs> one chance. All right. Do I get a clue, or is it just, you know, anybody in the world? Uh, Robin Hood, Elizabeth II, he's, John he's, Smith. He's alive, he's a chef and right. an author. Uh, Bobby Flay. No, it will be James Martin. No. Tom Kerridge. No. Tom Courage. Oh, one of my... F- I should have got that. I'm on I'm on his Eat Yourself Happy regime. That's how I lost all my weight. Right. Uh, used to be big Tom Courage. Now just Tom Courage. Yeah. The... Uh, uh, You've been to his restaurant, Fabulous British chef. Sorry? I have been to the Hand and Flower, I think it is, in uh, down in... Um, uh, down in the southeast of England, and it was west. given to to uh, no, it's, it's um, sort of Henley sort of area. Okay, um, yeah. And I was uh, was given a, a lunch there by my mum and dad some years ago, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, uh, just an, an awesome place, and and Tom Courage's um, version of cutting out carbs. Uh, as I say, it's called Tom Courage. Eat yourself happy. Um, it's high dopamine diet and low starchy carbs. It's that's that's what I've lost the 25 kilos on, and uh, so I owe him an awful lot. So what's he been doing then, other than making me a shadow of my former self? Well, his book Fresh Start uh, is the best-selling book of 2018 in the UK. Really? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Shay or Jamie, do you know what the best-selling book I of 2018 in the US was? Uh, oh I, boy! I, 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 I bet I know what it was. Michelle Obama's uh, becoming. It wasn't. I would hope no, so. really? it was one with a uh, film tie-in. With the film. Because the book tie-in. was actually written in 2011, but it only topped the test bestseller lists uh, last year when the film came out. Uh, for film, are we including TV show? Because I'm no. thinking Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. No, definitely a film. Um, nope, don't know. Ready Player One. Really? Yes. Wow. It just shows wow. the sort of people who are buying books in America these days. <laughs> I uh, just bought two books yesterday. Do you know what the best-selling book in Finland was last year? Kimi Raikkonen's book of haikus. Yeah. It wasn't, no. Uh, oh! But it was... Races uh, I Should Have Won by Valtteri Bat- Bottas. That was a thick book. The Unknown Kimi Raikkonen. Really? Oh, yes. so you got the... Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, which was his about. official biography. Uh, right. Sold 191,000 copies, which is a huge number in a country with the population as size of Finland. Yeah. Uh, but he says it's not a big deal, it's just something I decided to do. <laughs> in his Kimmy way. Mm. Can, I do uh, a few, can I do a few tweets? In a s- oh, sorry, go on. Who's, who's going to write a book this year? Everybody. Uh, someone you're going to be talking to in four hours' time. Tim uh, Dorsey? No, wait, that's tomorrow. Uh, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso, yes. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Well, he's not started writing it yet. Well, I should st- always start with the title. That that sets the tone for you the You sell risk. it to the publisher. Yeah, exactly. I don't, don't think he'll have the any problems selling the concepts no, of a biography don't. to a publisher. By the way, in front of us at the moment, the pit lane is just beginning to uh, empty out the 
Michelin Pilot Challenge cars are in for their fuel fill test and drivers going out on, on what looks to be track walk. And and Chevys really are transformers because what used to be an orange Camaro is now a yellow Corvette. Yeah, so they were taking it off the top. Uh, yeah, not just repositioning Are it. you sure it just didn't magically change? No, it's bumblebee colours, but yeah. I didn't, don't think it quite did that. Mm. Um, uh, Quickfire uh, Twitters on liveries. Very, very interesting, this on at Specutainment uh, tonight. Um, Adrian McElroy says, I think there was a simplicity to liveries across all categories of racing at some time before the turn of the millennium that can't be achieved in modern motorsport with sponsorship demands, perhaps of... Uh, 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 perhaps of uh, reluctance as well on the team's part. The Daniel says, what about the Tartan on the Faf car? That's the Canadian car, isn't it? Yes. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay, that one. Yes. I don't know if I would call it Tartan necessarily, but uh, it's thoroughly Canadian. And I really do want them all to be wearing toques when we come back for race day. I don't know what that means, but I'm just nodding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's even more Canadian than Tim Hortons, okay. I would argue. Uh Tim How Hawkins about isn't even uh, the best-selling coffee in uh, Canada? No. David Harvey says uh, the TGM Mercedes Owens and Hughes Mercedes. What about the uh, person peeled back livery from DTM? There were some good Mercedes liveries in uh, DTM and in the, the old work, work, uh, the old World Sports Car Championship. Ted the Toyman. Now this is interesting. He says I think having a retro livery round would devalue them. If most teams have them at one race, they sort of lose the appeal to me. And, and I get that, Ted. I, I, I do. I, I quite like it when teams come up with it. I understand that there's a 50th anniversary thing going on at Watkins Glen. Uh, teams come up with uh, patriotic liveries yep. because it's, it's on or around Independence Day in the US in Canada and Canada Day. Day. They're normally actually flipped, aren't they? We're, we're at yeah. Watkins Glen nearer Canada Day and we're at CTMP nearer Independence Day. In the, the NASCAR round, and, and uh, Virgin Australia Supercars sometimes do it as well, they have one round. It was the Darlington round in NASCAR that they yes. used to have the throwback liveries. I mean, the teams go all in with the, the, oh, the yeah. uniforms and everything. Yeah, the broadcasters doll up like they're in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. It's always a lot of fun to watch, but I, I completely agree with that. It's so special in itself to have these liveries here, and we've got nine of them for the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. I can tell you right now that there are some of those nine that I like a lot more than others. Yes. And if you have a whole field full of cars, you definitely are going to look at them and go, oh. but if it's the only car out there, you're going to love it. Here's Andy Blackmore's view on this, and I bow to his yep. knowledge. He says, it's a fashion. He said, in the early 2000s, liveries became much more complicated and layered, influenced by tuner and by the tuning and drift community. Now things are getting much cleaner. There is a disadvantage to this, though, because most big sponsors demand to be on white. So you end up, as we saw in the WEC a few years ago, with three factory teams whose colours were basically white with black and red on them. Yep. And that's a fair point uh, from our man in livery. And if you look at classic liveries, there tends to be one major sponsor associated yes. with it. And even 10, 15, 20 years ago, you had a lot of liveries packed onto one car, or a lot of sponsors packed onto one car in livery. So it was simpler then. Kelvin van der Linde says, having been talking about Tom Courage's book, the most important question is, is it Ronin's tonight? Oh, it was last night. For you. 
it, for both of us. Kelvin was there too, so I'm on the way out. Oh, really? Yeah. He's I a smart a, cookie. I was at a very nice place called uh, San Diego, and we did stay classy. Yeah. It was, it was great. Always important. Always. We should go to Ronan tonight again, though, every time uh, we can. Yes. Uh, I hear Sebastian Vettel is writing about races I throw away when leading, says Matt Hawkins. <laughs> Stop. Uh, apparently, Peter Leung says, according to the Scottish Tartans Authority, the pattern on the PAF, PAF Porsche is Buffalo Plaid. I quite like that. Sure. Whether it's true or not, I, I like it. Yeah. Sounds like it's time for Andy Blackmore to do a livery book, says Carol yes. Brink. I second that. Yep. And Andy, please, if we could, classic liveries on modern cars that we aren't going to see on the racetrack. Just something to satiate the palate a little bit more. Well, quite a few people suggesting that you could tweet in at Spectatainment with pictures of your favourite liveries. Yeah. A- an awful lot of Porsches on there already. Porsche have had some good ones. And we'll be talking Porsche liveries just after nine o'clock in the uh, in the big interview because the reason we're talking about liveries is that Brumos livery is back at Daytona on the 911 and 912 car, although there is a link to the 59 as well, and you hear all about that after 9 o'clock in the big interview. It's Midweek Motorsports Series 14, Episode 3. We're at Daytona broadcasting live, live, live from Daytona, and the... Michelin Pilot Challenge cars, some of them being pushed back behind the wall after they've been doing their, uh, their fuel testing of the refueling type. Well, who's the pink car? That would be the PF Racing That's Ford the Mustang. 40 Ford they, Mustang. It is uh, James Pesek, Jade Buford, our resident ninja, and Patrick Gallagher for this race. They did oh. run the race at uh, Petit Le Mans last year, if you remember. So you did see the bright pink some, on the Mustang. Some colour changes since the Raw that we've, me- we've mentioned, some that we haven't. The Alpha Giulietta TCR car is Car-za. now... Oh, ah, that's why. Yes. I can see a classic Alpha dark red one. It was white with the Tricolore across the top. Now I'm looking at the number three, is that? Yes, three is red, five is white. Oh, the three is the classic dark... Uh, red, almost a blood red with the Alfa Romeo roundel just around the rear wheel arch. That, Nick, it's a good job Nick Damon isn't here because if he was, he wouldn't be here. He'd be down yeah, there. Yeah, he'd be there, drooling next to the car. The uh, the Julia, having just been voted uh, a performance car of the year in the biggest UK uh, awards for new cars. That looks, that looks great. Well, and since we're on new cars that have magically appeared since the roar, we have another one of our Honda TCR entrants from LAP World Honda. Right. Uh, there is now a 73, a 37, and I believe it's 52. That would be the yellow one in the middle. And 52, right, yes, you're right. Right in front of it. So they maintain their numbers. Thank you, Luis. Thank you for doing and, that. And they're still yellow, red, and blue yes, as well. Yes, which is very useful. We've got the Motorsports in Action. The Mia McLaren is back. That's number 69. Same driver lineup as last year. Well, none of the McLarens were here, of course, for the Raw. Exactly. The 75, which is Compass Racing, super duper star lineup for that one because Kuno Whitmer, the 2014 GTLM champion, is going to be driving with factory McLaren driver Paul Holton. Ah. So that's going to be a super combination. Some of the GT4 Porsches have got more colour on than the yes. black and white cop car look than they, than they looked before. <laughs> I'm think, I'm looking at you, Nola Sport 44, with a, uh, the Vess Energy on that. That's a very uh, fetching chrome green, white and black. Uh, the 28, which is the RS1 team, in a new version of their red, white, and black livery with a very 
very RSL swoosh down the door. I hey. think they've I think they've nicked our RSL swoosh there. That and it looks very good. And red, white, and black's always <laughs> going to get me. And whilst we're talking about that, we've got a, we've got more to come before, and we'll squeeze in one more story, but n- before nine o'clock. But a quick word on the Michelin Pilot Challenge. We will be televising, and we'll be talking about all of the the sessions or most of the sessions this weekend for that. But anyone that aren't live, you will be able to uh, get the the download from. And of course, every round of the Michelin Pilot Challenge, as the championship was last year, live, uninterrupted, flag to flag, whether you're here in the States or further afield, uh, on the day, it is absolutely live via IMSA TV and the player, the IMSA player at RadioLamont.com. And this is a how many car field for for the, is it is it 50? It's near it, a 50, isn't it? It's it 40. was 49, I believe. 49, yes. yes. 49 cars. And we had cars. 40 at the Roar, so nine just appeared they wanted to come and play uh, can't and, blame them and what do we see in tcr obviously a lot of new cars to talk about the two hyundais that we haven't seen before that's going to be i mean we're well into double figures in tcr which is what we expected we have 13 tcr cars i believe yeah. uh 14 actually between the two alphas the five audis the two hyundais and then the five hondas it's going to be a really good fight because so many of no these VWs. cars are brand new no vws uh last year the rumbergs did not run at daytona i don't think they were here for this race so must have only been here for the Raw last year as well, because I remember seeing that car on the... Uh, they could have been here for the race. I think they, they, were. they were definitely here for the December test, because Brad Kettler showed me around one of the VWs. And I saw them on the banking here last year, because that was one of the first cars I saw and thought, oh, oh that looks they were weird. they here for the race, yeah. Okay. But uh, four manufacturers for TCR is fantastic. With the possibility of a fifth in, in, in Volkswagen coming, coming back. I mean, throw a dartboard at that lot, any one of those can win. It, it's going to be really interesting to see, in particular, how the number 23, the fast MD car, goes. Because we've got James Vance coming back to the series with champion Nick Galante. So, that'll be strong. GS, eight manufacturers uh, with the uh, Robin Liddell uh, Chevy coming back. Yeah. Uh, the Camaro. I had a long chat with Robin. Actually, we were talking about... Um, small engine Peugeots and Talbots, as we tend to do when we get together. Five BMWs, eight Porsches, seven Mercedes, three Audis, six Fords, two McLarens, one Chevy, and a Partridge in a Pear Tree. No, actually, and three Aston Martins. Brand new GT4 Aston Martins. They kept that quite quiet because they, we knew they'd acquired some of the old shape yep. Vantage, but this is three brand new four-litre Second generation GT4 Aston, and it's it's automatic For racing. Automatic racing yeah. So it's a team that we're used to seeing running the Aston Martins. But from what I had heard at the Roar, they were sure they were going to have two of them, but they thought they were only going to have two of them for this of race. Of the new cars, of the new cars, they knew they were going to be running three cars total, but they thought they were going to have one of the old ones back. No. They got three new cars sent to right. their shop, and right. you know they're just up the street, so it's not exactly a far walk for the uh, Aston Martins to come stretch their legs. We'll have a, a look. So, so that that's Friday. Uh, check RadioLamont.com or IMSA.com for the details of when the Michelin Pilot Challenge cars are on the track. And we will have that race live in sound and vision, uh, qualifying and uh, most of the early sessions on RS2 IMSA Radio, over on RS2 IMSA Radio as well. Um, we've got more to look forward to with the IMSA WeatherTech cars and we'll be previewing that in the second half of the programme but before we go to our big interview next Tim has a story about somebody's brother I'm intrigued who uh, has a brother that Shay was talking about uh, earlier in the show Uh, Kevin Van Der Linde Sheldon Van Der Linde yes because he's been announced as an official BMW DTM driver for 2019 that's a great move for him the first South African DTM driver 
ever. Really? Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. Mm. I think that's a good move for him. He's clearly a... Cl- I mean, they are both class drivers, aren't yeah. they? Both such good people. And, you know, Kelvin, who still has a lot to accomplish in sports car racing, he's already won a lot of the big races. But we were joking online about the fact that he could wind up racing his brother Audi versus BMW in DTM. That is every little kid's dream. So he wants to win, obviously, here this weekend at Bathurst next weekend. Maybe then he'll start thinking about uh, looking at a potential German series. But for Sheldon, the person who's happiest about this announcement, for sure, is Kelvin. Mm. Um, uh, do you know the ahead, other five BMW drivers in DTM this year? No. Bruno Spengler? Bruno Spengler's one of them. Former um, champion. Pass. Uh, Timo Glock. Augusto Farfus. Pew, pew. Ding. And Marco yeah. Wittmann. Joel Erickson. Right. Oh, and yeah. Philip Eng. Oh, Philip's here. I should have known that. Philip Eng. The man with the name that's too short. Uh, one, w- yeah. One letter away from being very, very confusing. With yeah. two Engers. <laughs> uh, and? Ever since I was a young boy, it's been my dream to be a DTM driver. He did not say that. He still that. is a young boy. This he did a, not say those words. This is a big step for me. BMW only had one season offer, so the pressure to perform is really high. Well, you know what? He's he's not wrong there. A lot of people criticise DTM, and I have to say it's not one of my favourite series anymore. There's there's a lot about it I feel I should like, and when you go and see it live, it's a great, great show. But one thing I will say is not everybody here gets on with the cars, and some Ooh. very good drivers have gone there and struggled. And some very good drivers have gone there and prevailed. Look at Rene Rast, yes. who proved in yet another manufacturer and another car that he can drive anything and he can win championships in anything. Uh, uh, Shea, Adam some is a changes to DTM this year. Really? Yes. Uh, they've uh, introduced push to pass. Uh, no. Yes, yes, I saw that. I did say that. Uh, there's also some changes to DRS and uh, they've abolished the Mizano Night Race. Oh really? That was the, I quite enjoyed that. I did as well. I, I did quite enjoy that. I, I was it was rather wet and horrid uh, the weather I seem to remember. And didn't they also have an F three race that was in the dark as well, which was quite that bizarre. Was dusky rather than dark. Yeah, it, it ran late, and because it was overcast, it was a bit odd under the lights. Um, it was it was a bit a bit odd, but it kind of worked uh, for me. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're live from Daytona, and that's because, of course, it's the Rolex 24 at Daytona uh, at the weekend. And we'll start our coverage tomorrow uh, as we've got coverage of practice, qualifying, and night practice for uh, both the Michelin Pilot Challenge and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, Series uh, 14, Episode 3 of Midweek Motorsport. And the second hour starts right now. I've locked Mark in the shed, so I get to say, still to come on Midweek Motorsport. <laughs> Very good. Uh, on the second hour of tonight's programme, we will be taking a detailed look at the runners and riders, and there are many of them, for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship here at Daytona for the Rolex 24 Daytona share. Adam will be staying with me. Jamie's had to run back across to the other side, but thanks very much for that. Keep the livery suggestions coming in. Pictures as well, please, to at Specutainment. Uh, we're watching the Michelin Pilot cars on the pit lane at the moment, getting their fuel rates checked. But coming up next, we'll be talking classic liveries. One 
was uh, revealed this morning. It was a Porsche. It was red, white and blue. Brumos, of course, the big interview is next on Midweek Motorsports. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. Well, it's a very special big interview on Midweek Motorsport uh, this week. We're at Daytona and we're looking at two very beautiful Porsches that are in a very evocative livery for the Rolex 24 Daytona. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. Pascal Zollenden is with me, who's the man at the head of the RSR programme, uh, effectively. Pascal, first of all, excellent choice. This will be a fan favourite, the Brumos livery, just, what, an hour away from where the Brumos collection still is. This is home ground for the Dan Davis team of, of past years. Was it a tough decision when you were looking through the heritage liveries that this one came straight to mind? And then speaking about Daytona, looking at the, all the heritage liveries, what were possible, there was only one option, to be honest, was Brumos. Because Brumos was a synonym of winning races in Daytona. And this was our. This is our target, our goal. I have to say, Porsche have um, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to heritage liveries. When we look back through Porsches of the past, there are plenty to choose from. I think, particularly, of course, of the success last year of the Pink Pig, and then the Mobile One car at at, at Petit Le Mans. Um, they look great. They become fan favourites, but they've been successful for you. Is there an element of superstition here as well? It's also part of it, to be honest. <laughs> and then was the extra motivation. And also for the crew, for the drivers, when they look at the cars, they look different to normal and they look so fantastic. This was the way to go. Now, are we going to see this livery at Sebring as well and further through the season? Sebring, for sure. After Se what comes after Sebring, we have to look at. But Sebring is confirmed. Well, we will be able to spot these cars, no problem. And thank you from a commentary point of view for having the blue on the 911 and the red on the 912. I thank you from the bottom of my heart because at various times during the race when I'm tired, I'll be able to tell them apart. Um, aside from the livery, any major changes for 2019's IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship? And then moving from Petit Le Mans to here, the only big change for everyone is the tyres. And then we move from IMSA-specific tyres to the Michelin tyres used in WEC for the season 18-19 and this is the biggest change and was the biggest work during the winter break, if you can call it break. No, there's no break anymore, there is no break anymore. So that, um, that you would have had data from that from your colleagues in the, the WEC though? Yes, and then it made, it made the work between the, our colleagues in WEC and the colleagues working here in IMSA even to work closer, so it, it makes the teams come closer together, but as they work close together already in Le Mans, it's just the next step. Last year, if, if I can take you back to last year, you had a, a very... Um, oh, we're going to get run over by Ferrari if we're not careful. Um, you had a very competitive car, a very competitive package last year, often the quickest in both qualifying and, and race trim. It didn't translate into results. Have you been able to isolate why that was and, and, and try and make some changes in maybe how you run the cars? At the end, if you look at um, Daytona, we had some technical issues and we were not 100% sorted. And uh, we were a bit on the back foot. Then moving to Sebring, we won. Then Mid-Ohio, we won. Long Beach, we were close to it. Yes. And then we had a small, like a hole during the summer where we did some mistakes. We were a bit unlucky also with strategies. 
and this cost us the championship, to be honest with you. Mm. Then moving to Petit Le Mans, we were back again, yes. everything was sorted and now we build up on this to finalise now. Our target is to win this championship this year. There's an old saying in motor racing, I'm sure you're familiar with it, that you're only as good as your last result. Your last result was very good indeed. Does that give the whole programme, the whole team, momentum going into the winter testing, I won't say break, and then coming here? This is uh, my first words when I, I came to Petit Le Mans. When I met the guys in the team, I told them, if we win this one, everyone will go with a great feeling in the winter. Why? The last thing you remember is always the last win. Even if we lost the championship, it's a great feeling to go in the winter like this. And this happened, we won, the feeling is there, and the motivation of the guys was never higher than now. How important is it, in more general terms, you're talking to an audience here who are motorsport and endurance racing fans, but how important is it for the wider, uh, for Porsche in a wider sense, to be racing the 911 on a global stage? And then um, the customers from, nine, from uh, Porsche are all enthusiastic about sports car and racing. And um, there's a 911, at the end it's a, a car which is similar to the ones they come when they drive in in the parking next to the racetrack and then can see how quick it is and how good it is and how the handling is. And this is our target always. And as we look at this season, um, the, the competition in GT Le Mans has always been very, very intense. Uh, that's not going to change this year. Um, no brand new cars this year, at least though, for you to get to grips with. We had the new BMW, of course, last year. How do you see the season playing out? I think we could see it already during the last four or five races. IMSA did a great job with BOP, all the team did a great job and the battles were really close. At the end we are always speaking about three tenths, putting all cars together. Three tenths, you are even not P2 in a Formula 1 race. Yeah. So at the end it's closer, you can't have racing. So Hang it's on. all about perfection. This is unusual from, uh, from my point of view and everybody's point of view. To hear a manufacturer representative saying a series did a great job with BOP. Most people want to complain about BOP. IMSA takes it very seriously and it's all data-driven, isn't it? Yeah, it's all data-driven and IMSA has a quite an open mind on it, which means we always meet with all manufacturers together, speaking about how, what is the methodology to develop the BOP and so on. So it's really data-driven and always open. In terms of Porsche's racing history, this version of the RSR is still pretty new. Having swapped the engine and the gearbox around a couple of seasons ago to get that big aerodynamic uh, diffuser on the back of the car, is it fair to say you're still learning this car? I think we learned a lot, but now we change tyres for this year in this, for, um, in this championship, and so we are always learning. And as we said, the, the gaps are so close together that we need to have everything at the perfection. There is always a detail which is not perfect, and that's the only way you can win races. And what difference then will the different construction and compounds of, of Michelin's make for you? It's often said, um, I've worked in both the WEC and over here, that it's, it, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to make a tyre that will work on European Formula One style circuits and the circuits that we have over here are certainly not, for the most part, like that. And you have a unique challenge like here at Daytona. Are you confident that this change to the WEC tyre is going to work? At the end we were all a bit uh, scared of this change because in WEC we are also eating the tyres. Here we go from cold and we go directly racing. So it's a, a, a big difference. And um, 
but we had a lot of good tests like the at the raw at the end with temperature from six o'clock at night in the night session we had rain we had also big sun with 35 degree outside uh, track temperature so i think we are ready because just the condition at testing were perfect for this i thought it was very kind of imza to organize all of those different weathers for you yes normally people complain that we have no <laughs> constant conditions but for this time as we had uh, we had new tires and we know in the race we'll have all temp possible temperature ranges, the raw was really friendly with us. When we look at these race cars, Pascal, and we look the way the press have turned out to see this announcement this morning, the classic Brumos livery from uh, just up the road at, at Jacksonville there. Um, when you look at this, this puts Porsche, this is Porsche's playground, motor racing. 70 years anniversary last year, that means 70 years of racing as well for Porsche because Porsche were racing as soon as they were Porsche. Do you always see a time when Porsche will be racing their road cars? I think, I think this is in the DNA from Porsche that we always race with uh, cars which are really close to our normal road cars and this will stay forever I think. And we're in, a, in global motorsport, we're in a time of great change. Um, here in IMSA it seems to be I've been around a long time. It goes in cycles. It goes up and goes down. We're on an ups, upslide at the moment here at IMSA. In world motorsport, things are changing. Electrification. We have Taycan coming out for Porsche soon. Porsche, I presume, like most other manufacturers, will be looking at other forms of racing, particularly things like Formula E, and maybe a return to prototypes with the new ACO regulations. And then first uh, for the Taycan and so on, as you said, it's new technology and therefore Porsche will join the next Formula E season, end of 2019. So this is a, a parallel way to the normal GT racing. About prototype, at the, end, at the moment it's not on our, it's not on our, there is no decision yet. We look at what's happening in uh, IMSA, in uh, WEC and so on, and a decision will be taken at one point. But at the moment we are looking what's happening. We're looking at works cars, at factory backed cars here in the US but obviously the other cornerstone alongside racing is Porsche providing cars for customer racing that clearly continues this continues definitely one commitment which is shown now here in Daytona you can see we brought new GT4 cars new GT3 cars here at this race we'll have already eight GT4 running we delivered 11 of them at the world premiere at the Raw and we delivered four GT3 cars so this is a, Daytona is also a big event for us, for our customer racing part of the business, as we'll have 12 brand new cars running for the first time in customer lines. Over here though, no RSRs in customer racing hands. We do see that in the, the WEC. Is that because of just how competitive GTLM is over here? Or is that a, a, a decision that's been made by Porsche not to supply a private team? And then look, there is only in, G, in WEC, coming back to WEC, there are two classes. There is a pro class where the manufacturers are and there is a AM class where the customers are running. Because at the end we don't want to lose customers. If we make them race against our works cars, works teams, works drivers, it will be difficult for them. So it will place them in, on the back foot straight from the beginning of the season because this is no BOP. And in WEC found the solution with the split between AM and pro and that's why we are racing there with customers and works cars. Now, on a, on a personal level, um, you came over to the States when, back end of last year? So you, you, were first, you first came over to the States when? Uh, I came, my first race here was in um, Daytona 2017. How have you seen IMSA developing, even in that short time? And 
how much different is the racing here to what we see in the other parts of the world and particularly more European style racing? At the end, IMSA is always listening to the manufacturers really closely and they react on all the remarks from everyone to improve the show and this is an important point here. So different to uh, what you see in European racing, just look behind you, all the garages are open. <laughs> if you go in WEC, some manufacturers are hiding, putting walls in front of the cars. And here you can see when they're changing gearbox next to you. Yes. And for the fans, it's completely different than for the manufacturers. And the circuits here, if you look at the start of our season here in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, Daytona, well, there's only one Daytona, Sebring, uh, see my above comment, and then the streets of Long Beach. It's an extraordinary mix of circuits. And then we are moving from a really an oval and a lots of straight line to a really bumpy and a narrow with Sebring and then we go center of the city. This is great in this championship. Final question for you and we'll bring you back to this weekend in the Rolex 24 Daytona. Iconic livery, certainly going to get a lot of photographs of these cars but the photograph I suspect that you want would be in victory lane here and then at the end of the season for the championship. Is it important to win here or is it important to start your season off in a good way to build for the championship? Exactly, last year we finished the season perfectly with the win and now we want to start perfectly with the win. This is our target. And the championship is undoubtedly in, you're setting your sights towards the championship? Yes, at the end now Corvette won three years in a row, this needs to stop and it needs to go back to Porsche. Pascal, thank you very much for your time. If you can, enjoy the weekend. I will, definitely. Thank you. Right, uh, let's quickly move over to my left where I can see another classic Porsche. Not a car, a classic Porsche driver. It's Hurley Haywood. Hurley, I wonder if I, I may just have a, a quick word with you. Sure. This must bring back some memories, looking at the classic Porsche 911 shape with the Brumos stripes on it. Yeah, it's pretty exciting for us. Our, you know, our first win with this paint scheme was 1973, and uh, we had always run orange cars. And Bob Snodgrass came up with this color scheme, and we've had that color scheme from then till now. So, having the factory cars painted up in that thing is a real honor. A lovely touch to have the 59 forming the stripes as well. Obviously, they couldn't have the 59 in the race. Um, what does Brumos mean, particularly here at this track, that had so much success here? Well, I mean, you know, we've won, I think, seven or eight races here at Daytona in, in the Brumos livery. And I think not only is, is this color scheme recognized all over the world, but it especially we, our dealership is in Jacksonville, you know, an hour away. And so there's a huge following of Brumos here in Florida. So when we come to the most important uh, and prestigious race of the season here in Daytona, everybody wants to follow the Brumos car. And when we retired that uh, number, or when we retired from racing in 2012, it really made a big hole. Everybody was so sad to see us not on the track. Now uh, we're kind of going from famine to feast, and, and we have two of these you know, wonderful factory cars painted up in our livery, and that's pretty exciting. The specification of these cars, the development on these cars, far and away from the Porsche 911s you used to drive, I mean, these are almost like a prototype racing car now, and certainly the lap times that are being achieved by these cars are extraordinary now. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, 
the GT format, especially the GT Le Mans format, is pretty open. So the guys can really develop these cars to phenomenal cars. So when you look at this car, you've got a big diffuser in the back, big wing, big horsepower. And so it, it produces unbelievably fast lap times, almost the kind of lap times that a GTP car did back you know, in the 80s. So that's pretty phenomenal. And when you put these things on Michelin tires, you know, kitty bar the door. <laughs> Hurley, always good to see you. Great to see you with your Brumos racing jacket on right next to what is undoubtedly a Brumos livery. Yeah, well, thank you. We're, we're excited. Thanks. Hurley Haywood there. I'm going to nip round and speak to one of the uh, contemporary drivers as well. Let's see who I can grab because not only is the car in classic colours, but also a couple of drivers' helmets. Hello, Nick. Just been talking to Hurley Haywood there. He's delighted about this. You are uh, certainly a student of the sport. You're a Porsche man now through and through. This looks pretty good, doesn't it, mate? You've had, you've had some decent sets of overalls and T-shirts to wear <laughs> in the last uh, year or so. Well, yeah, exactly. And I remember coming here for the first time to Daytona and having the, you know, getting in the race with the Brumos livery car and, um, or the Brumos car. So, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to run this sort of design because it, everything's different. You know, we... Um, we get to go and race all around the world and um, in various sorts of cars but sometimes the the liveries you know they stay the same from year to year yeah. and some of the previous ones weren't my favorite stuff that Porsche have done so you know careful <laughs> these are it's, it's really good and look at the times that we've had um, you know the special liveries the past two events I think Success. <laughs> it didn't turn out too bad, but unfortunately, there's a lot of other cars that have done the same. So maybe we won't have quite such an advantage there. But if it if it makes the sport more interesting and more accessible, and gets a few more people looking at some pictures and stuff like that, then it's it's good for everybody involved. You had a, a special helmet livery done, I think, for Petit Le Mans. You've got another one here sitting on the the back of the, the spoiler there at the moment. Lovely. I really like what you've had done there. Where, where is the uh, the car itself, the stripes are made up of the numbers 59. It's your initials on there. Who did, first of all, give credit to who did the, the livery and who did the design as well? Was that you? Uh, it was my idea with the, to have the, my initials over the top. Very good. But um, it was Carla Airtech in, um, in Norwich in England that, that did the, the work. And he's done a great job as, as usual. It's, um, I always get this sort of end of year and you think, shall I get the, the same design done on your helmet? And Because it's, it's kind of our individuality that we can do ourselves. Um, you know, we can all have our own designs on our own helmets. So it's whether you do the same, like the normal, the classic design that you've had, or, or you think, well, perhaps I'll do something different. So seeing as we're having a different colored car, I thought we'd have a different colored helmet as well. A little bit of a difference in the uh, in the car this year. Well, not actually in the car, but in the tyres. You've got a WEC spec Michelin's this year. I know there's been a lot of testing uh, on that. I, in the past, when we've talked about this, not necessarily with you, but with other manufacturers, they've always been a bit sceptical about whether WEC tyres would work on very different character of, of North American circuits. You guys have tested. You're on it. So it must work. They will work, yeah. But no tyre heaters, yeah, that's, a, that's a key thing here. Well, this is it, and that's why, uh, that's why there's been a lot of testing with Michelin since the end of the season, all the manufacturers. Um, and we've had a selection that we, we could choose from, effectively. Um, a bit like when, you know, the, 
the WC team pick tyres for their their cars. You know, we we have a uh, options to us, all of us available. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if most manufacturers have gone for the same type of right. tyre. Um, but of course, we still run multiple um, multiple tyre options, compound constructions in in GTLM. So we've got three options registered before the start of the season. Obviously, you pick two for each weekend, and then an, an amount of how many of each you want. Yeah. So. This also, it always plays into the ball game of, of organising the weekend and getting into a race and predicting things like the weather and the temperature and stuff like this. But like you say, the, the, the tracks are different, the surfaces are different to typical WEC tracks. You know, uh, somewhere like a Mosport is very different to a Bahrain, of course. So <laughs> You picked two good ones there. At least in the raw, you had pretty much every type of weather that could possibly have been thrown at it you had warm sunshine very cold you had a bit of rain as well so presumably some really important work done there as well yes it was good um and the other good thing is we we did we came here twice before the raw actually testing so um we've really gone hard at it with you know, testing these tyres and getting the car suited and knowing or trying to figure out the windows, what where the tyre is going to work and, and um, you know, the crossover points and things like this and how to adjust the setup. And we've been working really, really hard at it and hopefully we're going to have a, a bit of a better idea than our opposition at the start of the season, especially hopefully here. We've done, we've been to Sebring also. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hitting it hard. We haven't won a championship in, in IMSA since 2015. Um, yeah, you're coming off a win though at, at Petite, bit of momentum going into the testing season. I won't say the off season because we don't have that anymore. So confidence high? It is high. We've got the same car. Um, you know, most of the almost everyone's back with the crew, so everyone knows the car inside out and how to make it go round a track for 10, 12, 24, 100 minutes. Um, so we've got high expectations and we're, we're here to A, win Daytona and then B, win a championship. But of course then so is everybody else. Championship was won on the driver's side last year without, any, without Jan and, and Antonio winning, winning a race. I mean, that's one way to do it. <laughs> I, su- I, sus- I suspect that playing safe isn't in the Porsche and Nick Tandy lexicon though. <sighs> <laughs> Nick Tandy speechless. Take that one off my list. You bag points when you can. When there's a win on the table, you throw everything out there to get it. Good of course, like that's that's how we'll always go racing. Final question, and it's the most important one as far as I'm concerned. Now you've got a new helmet. Can I have your old one, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a replica for you, John. How about that? <laughs> Cheers, Nick. Good luck. Enjoy and be safe for the weekend. Cheers. That's uh, Nick Tandy. Uh, before that, uh, Hurley Haywood and. Uh, Pascal Zolinden, the programme manager for RSR, uh, the big interviews this week, talking about that Porsche Brumos livery. And with a bit of luck, we'll have some more Porsche Brumos content later on this week. A couple of things coming out of that before we move on, other than me getting a Nick Tandy replica helmet, which I'm very, very excited uh, about. Um, the tyre warmers, and there are no tyre warmers in this series. And taking on the WEC tyres which is, is happening for Michelin this year um, that, that's going to be interesting for these guys, getting them up to temperature and how they get them up to temperature, we've seen it in qualifying particularly sheer the certain teams do it different ways but they're going to have to do that in the race and they are, they are different compounds and constructions now and light bulb just went off on my head because we've got several 
IMSA teams, almost all of our GTLM teams, go over and run the 24 Hours of Le Mans, yes. they're going to be really good by the time June comes around at switching the tires on without tire warmers. Yes. Uh, now, in fairness, they're using last year's WEC compounds. Um, but I suppose WEC are using last year's yeah. compounds as well because they're in a transition season. favorite. Yeah. No, no. That's, so yeah, does, that, does that give our IMSA teams an advantage when we go to Le Mans that they could possibly have a better understanding of the compounds. That's a good point because not a Porsche thing, but Corvette have often said they've felt disadvantaged because oh, yeah. they're a manufacturer that doesn't run in the WEC, so they haven't got a parallel team to take data from. And they would always go in May. They always do go in May. This The start of the third decade for Corvette racing, by the way. They go in yeah. May to test at Road America. For about a 48-hour experience, Run, yeah. simply because they want experience on the WEC Michelins. Uh, great to talk to Hurley Haywood this morning. I suspect we'll hear more from him as the week goes on. But Pascal Zalinden, the program manager for RSR, for the race car side of things. What a character he is, by yeah. the way. Uh, speaking in a, a language that is not his first language there, but v clearly very, very excited about what's going on and wants to take the championship away from Corvette. That was the last thing he said to me, and he said that with some gusto. Yeah, he did. It. It's not the edict that's been handed down, but very clearly it's the burden that he's taken upon himself coming into this program. He's decided it's time for Porsche to be on top once again, yeah. and that's what they're coming out to do. They want Petit Le Mans in a commanding style. Yes, and, and no prisoners taken by Tandy. No. It's not just gonna t if there's a race on the line, you heard what he said, we will be We'll be pushing Nick Tandy. And especially the big ones, because yeah. Nick Tandy loves winning those. How do you like that livery, the Brumos livery, the 59? Oh. If you haven't seen it, go online, have a look at some of the close-up pictures. Rick Dole was doing some very close-up pictures of the stripes. The stripes are not solid colours, are they? They're not. They are the number 59, over and over and over again, in different directions, yeah. mashed together like puzzle pieces almost. So that it's like Tetris, a 59, it's a, it's a Brumos Tetris. Exactly, to make two perfect stripes in the red and the blue. And for me, growing up, I wasn't on the Grand Am side of things, I was on the ALMS, so I didn't see the Brumos livery as much. But as soon as I saw these cars, I got goosebumps because it is Daytona. Um, and as you heard, it will be on the car for Sebring uh, as well. Uh, Pretty hard work, good work done by the Porsche mechanics last night. Yeah. Um, now, in fairness, they swapped panels because, the, the, and I should say, the cars went through tech yesterday, went through scrutineering yesterday, as the standard white with black and red stripes on. Overnight, those cars were changed. It took them just over an hour, mainly because what they did was they swapped the body panels out, and the only bit that they had to re-wrap, if you will, was the roof. But for discerning eyes, if you looked at the Porsche's before they were attacked last night by the swarm of Porsche mechanics mm. and chapeau to those hardworking men down in that pit. Which is the core team, don't forget. It's, it is core, and it is core out of South Carolina who do yeah. that. That's where the shop is. There was a blue trim around the back of the 911, I think it was, and a red trim around the 912, which is unusual because they don't normally do that. That was the only thing that sort of put a little wire up in my head was to see that. Yeah. I, I went looking through the paddock yesterday for distinguishing features between and one of them's cars. got a black wing and one of them's got a white wing at the back as well now. Well, for the new livery, the 912, so easy to think Kiwi Earl Bamber with black, black. all black. Good, like it. That's the rear wing running on that car. But also the bottom of the uh, side panel on the RSRs which in the Lego was just plain black and normally is plain black. Yeah. It's red on one car and blue on the yeah. other. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, 
the pit lane is being cleared at the moment. Listen to Midweek Motorsport. We're live at Daytona, broadcasting from the IMSA Broadcast Centre, looking down onto the trioval and the pit lane. The pit lane has been cleared of the Michelin Pilot Challenge cars as the WSC, the WeatherTech cars, are coming in for their fuel tech. But got some news uh, just breaking here, and it's uh, it's good news for us and for you as well uh, on the Michelin Pilot Challenge races this year. Uh, we have a new partnership to announce, and that's with Forge Line Racing Wheels. Uh, they'll be one of our partners on IMSA Radio over on RS2 this year for the Michelin Pilot Challenge. It will be the Forge Line Spirit of the Race Award that will be uh, voted by on for by uh, v- voted on from you, the fans. Easy for me to say. You got there. Uh, yeah. Thanks to uh, Steve Shart and uh, of Forge Line and Eric Albrecht. Uh, of IMSA who've worked very hard uh, with the responsible adult to put all this together. We'll be talking more about Forge Line across the weekend and the rest of the season. They have a manufacturing plant here in the US in Ohio. Uh, Dayton, Ohio, I think, if I'm uh, right. I'm very excited and, and I am I have already asked before anybody else suggests it on Twitter when we go to mid-Ohio I have suggested that we go there and see that because I really want to see they make oh, some cool. beautiful wheels yeah. and in fact it's a shame Jamie's not here because she's got forged line rims on her Porsche Cayenne mm-hmm. and she's very happy with them beautiful go and look them up uh, it will be the forged line spirit of the race award in Michelin Pilot Challenge this year Midweek Motorsports Series 14 Episode 3 Tim Gray still over and up in London will take us where? We've still got the uh, preview for the weather tech to come, but where would you like to go next, Tim? Well, you mentioned Spirit of the Race. That's something that's going to happen later this weekend, but uh, Mm. a different award right now, and that's Tweet of the Week. Oh, really? Right, okay. This one goes to uh, someone called Pippa, uh, who was asked uh, at work uh, earlier this week, uh, whether she knew that there was a racing driver called Pippa who'd run in the Indy 500. This is funny. That is very funny. And that was from That who? was from Pippa Man. Yes. Uh, how did she not just turn around and say, no, don't, ah, I didn't know that. Why don't you, let's Google them together and see who it is to her work colleague and see the jaw drop when they saw the wiki page. Oh, my goodness. It's a Google image search. The thing is... Even if you'd watched the race, you'd only have seen Pippa with her helmet on. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, very good. I did say that. That was a very good tweet this week. It made me laugh a lot. (laughs) Mm. And she works in Indy too, so that's even worse. Yeah, exactly. The two greatest Sebastians in motorsport history. Sebastian Loeb. And Ogier. And Sebastian Ogier. Renew their fierce rivalry. As the 2019 WRC season roars into action with the Rally Monte Carlo this weekend, Ooh. between them, Ogier and Loeb have won the last 15 world titles, and oh. they have 13 Rally Monte Carlo victories. <laughs> they're not giving anyone else a chance, are they, Tim? <laughs> well, this year they are because they're both kicking off the new season in brand new teams or not brand new teams because one of them's returning to a team he's been at before uh yeah that's the 35 year old sebastian ogier who returns to citroen after eight years in an attempt to tame its troubled c3 uh he's looking for his sixth uh, monte carlo win 
uh, based around his hometown of Gap in the south of France. And uh, not long ago... You have to be careful around there. You have to mind the gap, I always think. Just wait for the tumbleweed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not long ago, uh, Kerry Cobb uh, went and had a chat with him. Very honestly, I didn't ask myself this question because uh, I think uh, there is some rally that you prefer, some probably that you think the car will perform better, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, our target remains the same, it's fighting for the championship. That means we, have, we can't afford to forget any rallies and we have to try to be as good as we can on any of them. So uh, as we are coming close to Monte, I can mention already this one that everyone knows that it's uh, every year a special event for me. I feel it a bit my, like my home rally, being born in Gap. So uh, yeah, let's see what we can do. Hopefully we can uh, continue our success story there, even if uh, it won't come easy probably this year again, as we are uh, coming with a new package, uh, new cars, and, uh, and as also uh, our competitors uh, are probably well prepared and uh, have, have Proved last year that they have some good speed, so uh, let's see what uh, what what happened. I think it's an exciting time for everyone. I think so far it went all according to plan. I think there was a, we felt immediately that everyone is really happy uh, to see us back in the team and they're very motivated. Uh, on my side, uh, the first impression of the car was uh, was good. Uh, of course, it's uh, never perfect right away, but. Uh, but that still confirmed what I've seen initially that I think this car has a potential, uh, but it's maybe not completely used yet. So uh, hopefully uh, with our experience, we can help to be even better. And, uh, and I'm sure Sapeka will help as well because he's a young, uh, uh, fast driver. So uh, let's, see, uh, let's see how it goes. Well, the other Sebastian Loeb uh, has seven Monte Carlo wins to his name. Uh, he has left Citroën uh, to move to Hyundai, uh, the i20 this season. Uh, and he'll be joined there by Andreas Mikkelsen and Thierry Nerville. Obviously, uh, as always, uh, start of a new year, uh, everybody's starting from from zero again uh, in the points uh, makes it very exciting um, Monte Carlo challenger uh, everything is possible uh, so uh, yeah looking forward obviously I'm I'm in WRC now since seven years I've gained a lot of experience I feel uh, quite comfortable now in the championship with my team as well uh, it's the sixth year we are starting together so things are pretty much uh, yeah, normal, and of course, uh, even if the goal last year we were very close to our main goal, uh, we uh, I'm not we here missed to it. Control, but they told yeah. me to sit aside you. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> we missed it, but uh, we 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 were very close, and that's actually a good sign because that shows us that we have the, the team and the, and the car and the potential to to be world champion. And so we start. Uh, we, we have the main, same goal this year again. Uh, Thierry Nerville there. Uh, Ogier's teammate at Citroen is also new to the team. That's the young Finn Estepeka Lapi who moves from Toyota. Very easy. 
we are very open to each other. He's also really open to share things. Um, yeah, we just discussed uh, how we can develop the car, what are the strengths, what are maybe the weaknesses, uh, where we need to concentrate on. And also he's very normal family lover, let's say. So it's um, really nice guy so far. And I, I, I do believe we will have a nice time together. Esapeka Lappi there. Uh, his replacement at Toyota is Chris Meek, who's optimistic based on the limited testing that he's done. Sometimes there's certain expectations from me that I've been about for so long, but um, yeah, I have to temper that. And uh, but like I showed in 2016, when I'm when I have something beneath me that I can trust and I, you know, I I can enjoy, uh, the speed can come naturally. And when it comes naturally, that's when it's. How shall I say? Quite simple, and uh, the feeling that every driver chases. So, let's see. I, I haven't competed in the car yet. I, I feel good in testing, but until we get into the stages, I've, I'll not know for sure. Two, ver two very strong teammates as well. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting. Team. He'll be joined by Tanak and Yawi Mati Latvala, and finally at Ford, it's Timo Sunanen, Pontus Tiedemann. And Elvin Evans. Yeah, I mean, last year was was definitely very disappointing, but um, I think a lot of things happened in the in the first part of the season, which uh, really sort of knocked the wind out of our sails, if you like, and uh, we just seemed to go from a bad result to a bad result, and all sorts of of different reasons behind it. Okay, we had uh, Corsica and Portugal that weren't so bad, but then uh, you know there was a few rallies then that followed that that weren't what we wanted. Um, and really, I felt towards the end of the year that you know relaxed a lot more with the driving and the speed was was definitely there. But uh, obviously, there was always the then the assisting role to to help Seb, which was you know fine. Uh, you know, I don't begrudge that. It was part of the situation we were in, having not had a good start of the year. We weren't in the fight for anything. Um, so you know, uh, I wouldn't say I was happy to assist him, but uh, you know, I accepted it was part of the job. Um, however, that said, you know the. the the final few rounds of the year we had some really good stage times really gained a lot of confidence from that and I think we can go into the new season with a very positive outlook and uh, there's no need to dwell on what happened in the first half of 2018. Alvin Evans uh, not dwelling on the past there talking to Kerry Cobb. Uh, Thanks Kerry for going up to uh, to do those. Yes. Exclusive, uh, exclusive content. We've got lots of interviews, but they're the only ones we had time for. And uh, as you could hear, it was a very noisy room because everyone was talking to a different driver at the same time. Uh, predictions then, John, who's going to win? The championship or at the, the weekend? Cha the championship. Well, you could do a Monte Carlo as well, but championship. Uh, 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 even though the Sebs have moved to different teams and there's a bit of work to do for, I, for both of them there, I think you'd be daft to say that one of those two wouldn't be in with a shout. Um, but I think it's one of the most open championships and one of the most open Montys for a while. Monty often throws up an odd result. Uh, Toyota had such a good year last year. It might be them. I really hope that Elvin Evans has a good uh, year for for Ford and, and Malcolm Wilson's team. I, I like Malcolm. I like Elvin. And I think if they get a good to start the season, it'll make a big difference to how they go to the year. But, but ultimately, uh, for the for the, the championship I think you've got to look at uh, I think you've probably got to look at Ogier or or um, Sebastian Loeb because they're just too good I'm going for Sebastian Ogier to win the championship but Sebastian Loeb to win the Monty Shea any uh, views? Yeah, 
Ogier for both. Oh, okay. Okay. The man is a legend. He is. He is. Moving away from the snow. Uh, Yeah. Yay! (laughs) Uh, Although I think uh, Shay should move towards the snow. No. Maybe maybe when when you've got some time off, Shay, why don't you go and pay Ben Constantius a visit in his uh, ski resort? Which is where? In France, on Dans les Alpes. Oh, it's snow ski, not water ski. No, see, I'm allergic. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, if he'd meant if he'd if he'd meant water ski, he would have said water ski in the same way as he'd meant ice hockey. He would have said ice hockey. If he says hockey, he means hockey. It's just hockey. Failed hockey. No. Yeah. No, we don't anyway, play with candy canes. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Tim. And what about the hockey? Uh, moving on. McLaren. Yes. Big new signing. They've been. Big new signing, Big yes. Signing. Senior coordinator partnership marketing from IMSA, Reid Atherton. This is his final weekend, and he's I going know. to work. They grow up so quickly. They really do. I'm, I'm really going to miss Reid, having him around here. He's such a good person. But his dream is F1. Yep. And uh, that's clearly the route to be on. Go is it McLaren. his dream ever since he was a young boy? Ever, ever since, since he was, was a young, young boy. boy. Yeah, absolutely correct. I suspect that that wasn't the appointment that you were asking us about, though. Well, carry on. Well, a certain former Porsche employee has gone to McLaren. Yeah. He didn't work for Porsche, so it's got to be somebody else. Exactly. Andreas Seidel. Yeah. What a signing for them. Uh, Masterminded, some might say, the success of the Le Mans and WEC program for Porsche 919 Hybrid. But let's not... Where was he... I'm going to fire this to Tim. Where was he before that, Tim? Sorry, before Don't Porsche. Yes. Uh, now, I should it's know this more because relevant. we did an interview with him at Le Mans yes. last year, didn't we? Um, yes, but where was he before? Uh, more relevant to where he's going now. He was at Sauber. He was at Sauber BMW. Well done. Well done. I didn't look that there's, up. There's I did remember it. No, I could, I could hear you the could brain. Hear it. I could hear the brain ticking over. There are a lot of people who've gone from sports cars to Formula One and vice versa. Not always with great success, but Andreas uh, Seidel is masterful at politics. You have to be if you work for Porsche, I think, and he knows Formula One as well. Albeit he hasn't been in Formula One for a wee while. McLaren need a change of direction. McLaren need a change in fortune. Shake. Is Andreas Seidel the sort of person who can deliver that? It's a tough ask. Ooh, if anybody can deliver it, it would be Andreas. Um, he's got a good sk- skill set, hasn't he? He really does, and he's got a good head on his shoulders too. So mm. that's what's going to be important there. Um, let's get back to the big race this weekend as we're running out of time here and look at the uh, Rolex 24 here at Daytona. The sun just beginning to drop down what time is it here now? Quarter to five uh, in the afternoon. Just beginning to drop down behind the the huge grandstand here. So we're getting a little bit of shade on the front straight. It looks absolutely fantastic. Had a splash of rain this morning. There's some rain forecast for overnight. Early start in the morning. Cars on track at nine o'clock local time. Rain all day tomorrow. Forecasted as well. And okay. I know you've just come off of a night race where it was more night than day. But this is going to be a mostly dark race too. More of the Down race. Down to the minute, it's exactly the same this year as it was at Dubai. That 
that's crazy. Mm -hmm. A ton of this race is projected to be run in the night conditions. Race control said something about lights will need to be on at 6.25 at night and then back they can turn off again. Sunrise will be somewhere in the region of 7.15, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a long night here, and it's going to be cold, too, because very the cold. rain that comes in tomorrow is bringing with it a very cold front. A uh, couple of, Before we talk about the three different classes, we'll rattle four. through... Uh, four different classes, sorry. Yes, well done. We'll, we'll <laughs> rattle through them. And, and, of course, we'll be talking much more about this in our broadcast on RS2, IMSA Radio, uh, across the week. Uh, a significant change to the... Uh, where the races are run, or at least the way yellow flag, full course caution, pit stops are run. Thank you. Uh, race control is you right like behind this, you, you, so I'm going to look behind you and say thank you, race control, for making this change. With the addition of the LMP2 class this year, splitting the prototypes, they have elected to go back to the format that we used to run as far as pit stops are concerned. Last year, it was all of the pro categories and then the AM category on its own. So you got prototypes and GTLM yes. came in together. Instead of doing that again this year, which would mean DPI and GTLM and then LMP2 and GTD, they've gone back prototypes pit at once and GTD and GTLM pit at once. So okay. all the GT cars come in together. So prototypes first and then when they're done, the pits open for GTs. Yes. Right. So... What we've got is a pit lane that has prototypes GT, prototypes GT, prototypes GT. It's a much simpler layout to look at from an outsider's point of view because you can tell who's going to be coming in where based off of what kind of car they're driving. It, it makes it a lot easier for the fans at home to follow, and it makes it a lot easier for this pit reporter to try and call pit stops when you've got GTD cars, of which we'll have somewhere in the region of 15 to 20 full season coming in and then the prototypes coming in together again with GTLM somewhere in the region of well 20 it'll uh, it'll make a difference as far as the classes are concerned i mean what an entry we saw all of these cars at uh, the raw before the 24 let's start with the biggest class 23 in GTD i stick a pin in these um, to, be, to be honest Five Lamborghinis yeah. is the big thing. They don't have that much of a difference in terms of their performance from the race here last year, which was the first ever 24-hour race win for a Lamborghini. They should be slightly stronger. There's a question mark over the three new Porsche GT3Rs because, of course, this is their debut. The, yeah, first time out, yeah. With the new car. And when you've got two factory drivers in each of the cars, that's pretty hard to argue with. Four Audi R8 LMSs. They've got the new Evo kit on it, which was, I think you said, a quarter and a piece of chewing gum to buy from Audi. <laughs> very, very reasonable. The two new Lexuses running with the new team. That's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out, too. Ferrari, very favorable BOP. They won the last race of the year in 2018. They're going to be competitive. You can't count out the two Acuras from Meyer Shank Racing. They nearly won the championship last year. A lot of fan, lot of fan favoritism on those cars as well, particularly on the Cat car, of course. Well, yes. The, not the one that she's driving only, but the one that has uh, Caterpillar, Caterpillar written yes. on the side. Yes. yes. They were the two fastest cars over the course of the Roar Before the 24, getting the best pit boxes. Very important, as we mentioned. And there's potentially a classic livery for the future. Oh, yeah. As well. Would, would you like a pointless stat on, on the 57 car? So last year, the car that won the best pit box at the Roar, two true rookies to the series and race, one driver who had done the race the previous two years in the same car, mm -hmm. the 57 this year, is exactly the, the same. same makeup yep. of drivers. Exactly. Very good. This is Cat's third year in the Acura. 
So is that who you're going for? I mean, I could make a... First of all, all the manufacturers, you can throw a... Um, you throw a blanket over yeah. all the manufacturers. This race last year, I think all by one of the, the the manufacturers led. Everybody was in the top three. Every manufacturer was in the top three. On, on, yeah. You know, on, on pace. Yes. It, it, it's very, very tight. We've seen this race come down to fuel yep. at the end. Only four cautions last year. Will we have the same this year? I don't know. But if we do, then it's this is going to be a tight, tight class. D- do you see any of the manufacturers having an advantage? You mentioned Ferrari having a, a better BOP potentially. No, there is no advantage. It's whoever survives the 24 hours and whoever Daytona ultimately decides (laughs) is worthy of getting a watch. And I don't mean that in a corporate sense. I mean that in the sense of the track. Yeah. Um, I, I like pattern. I like when history repeats itself. And I kind of would like to see the 57 come away with the win. Some new teams, uh, Ian Vassar Sullivan, they've got to get up to space, up to pace quickly via Italia Racing. They've got one of the Ferraris. Um, Starworks are back, yeah. Farfa back, GRT are back. I mean, it's a de- It's not only a big field in GTD, but the quality goes deep in that field. Yeah, you're really hard-pressed to pick out a car that can't win. And that's part of the challenge because uh, although we've got a lot of teams who are new to the series, they're familiar with racing and they're going to figure it out really quick how to win here. Slightly disappointing that there's only four LMP2 cars. They have their own class. So there's a decent chance for a watch there. One in four chance for a watch. We might not even have uh, all of those back later on in the season. I kind of think that that was pretty obvious once the... the the class was split. Uh, Dragon Speed for two. Uh, Performance Tech and PR1 Mathis and Motorsport. No shortage of, of quality in the driver's sticks. Who do you see taking that one? All, all Oricas, of course. Uh, pass. I'm, I'm going to say throw a dart uh, because you've got Dragon Speed there. Elton Julian's team wants the watch so badly that he brought it so that he can make a 50% chance of getting a watch. You'd love to see that happen. What about the father-son combination? The only one in the field, both Massans and 38, 38 Performance yeah. Tech. And then you've got PR1. You've got Gabriel Aubrey, who was they so impressive at the Roar, and Matt McMurray. Yeah. So everybody would be a good story. Uh, uh, Matt, actually, in fairness, uh, Matt deserves a, a result. Yes. He's been around. Like, he was a wonderkind, and he had a lot of pressure on his shoulders when he was younger. Yep. Maybe now's the time that he comes to his into his own. Um, let's talk about the pro, full pro classes. Uh, Le Mans GT, well, we've heard a lot about Porsche. They come here full of confidence after... Uh, Petty Le Mans Corvette come here full of confidence <laughs> after a championship win again. Then you've got BMW moving into their second year. The Fords look great in there. Throwback livery. I'm going to throw you one here. Outside bet. Only one race that we know they're doing so far this year. Risi Competizioni, Davide Rigon, Miguel Molina, Alessandro Perghidi and James Collado. That is a solid factory set of drivers. And there's just something that tells me they've not won here. They've not won here. Ferrari? No, their best finish was... Uh, Ferrari have won, not Risi. Risi's best finish was third in 2017, I want to say. I'd love to say that team win. It would, everybody would. Risi is everybody's friend in the paddock, for sure. And you're talking about teams that come in with confidence. BMW winning two of the last three rounds of the season. Last year, you've got Ford, the defending series champion in terms of manufacturers, and they've won here the last two years in a row. But here's something to throw a curveball. No car number has won the race twice since the merger. The three's got to win, the four's got to win, the 66 and the 67 each, and the 911. My money's going on 912. But neither the BMWs have won either, though. Nope. 
they haven't either. Uh, they've got Pete Phillips down at uh, Team RLL. <laughs> the genial Geordie. I don't say that very... <laughs> if only he's cheered for a different footy team. Well, eh, I know. But he's, he's got red and white on his cars. I'm quite uh. happy. I uh, um, should mention, Augusto Farfus has been drafted into the 25 car. Yes. That's because Tom Blomqvist had problems getting his uh, getting his work visa through. Um Issues with governmental um, departments here, not necessarily all working at, at full speed because of various situations here that we don't need to go into the politics of, but it seems to have caught Tom up in the, in the situation. And the one interesting note in particular about that is Tom is the only change to the GTLM full season pairings this year. Out of the 16 drivers, he is the only new one. Ah, 11 DPIs. That's a good looking field. A very good looking field. I had a question earlier on about Mazda. Mazda came here to the Raw and Ollie Jarvis did a phenomenal job for them in, you know, if that had that been a, a, an official practice session, that would have been the fastest ever lap around here. Um, they've had a, a BOP change on the aero, which is significant because they've been asked to go to a high downforce setup on that car. It was set with the low downforce setup that time. And, you know, it, it's interesting talking to other teams in the paddock because I was talking to Cadillac earlier and they said that they don't have much left in the bag. They gave it almost their all. It was 99% of the lap that they thought they could get out of their best lap in the qualifying session. And they said if Mazda had anything left in the bag, which they've been professing that they don't, then it would be a runaway for the race. We're going to have to see at hour 20 who's leading and yeah. who's still in it. But a slight wing change, that'll make a big difference at the top end speed. But through the twisty bits, which is where the Mazda was really quick through sector one, I don't know. They're going to be quicker again yeah. if, if they can switch uh, switch the uh, the tyres on. Um, Accurate Team Penske go into their second year. They'll be looking for a, a, a better year. Uh, got the same. Uh, well, we've got Alexander Rossi here, of course, mm -hmm. this, this weekend. That's uh, a, an addition uh, to the team. Simon Pagino back there. I, I mean, I don't know where to look. It's good to see the Nissan here with, with core, but I feel that they probably need a little more time with that car. They are looking at this race to learn for the season to come. That said, they're still going to try and get a podium out of it. So it's not a completely lost cause. And they came so close to winning the championship last year that they know every point counts and they're going to try and get every point they can out of it this year. Is it going to be one of the big names or is it going to be a surprise here? I think it's going to be one of the big names. Wayne Taylor Racing? Konica Minolta Racing, sorry. Konica Minolta uh, Business Solutions is written on their car. Um, Hang on, let me see what it's entered as. It's Konica Minolta uh, Cadillac DPI, DPI VR. VR. So that hasn't yes. changed since no, last year. That's, so that's, that's the same the name same. of the team. You've right? got six Cadillacs in the race this year. Last year they had severe overheating issues that nearly cost them the race. If yes. you remember, it was from about halfway through that they started getting nervous with both the 5 and the 31 Action Express cars. It was a problem again at Sebring when we had Mount Vesuvius coming out yes, the top of the tent. Correct. So they have had those issues before in the endurance races. If they're fixed, they're going to be really hard to beat. But you've also got Penske and you've also got Mazda Team Yost. And I feel like it's going to be one of them. The, the question is, though, do Mazda run flat out for the race or do they go for the championship? Uh, you know... That's no. still a relatively... John Doonan would love to win this race, but he'd also like to win the championship. I will tell you right now... Brad, Brad Kettler and Lena Gade on board via... Brad is a, a freelancer being brought in to consult. Lena working for Multimatic. It's kind of getting the old band back together again. It's very interesting, that. I will tell you right now, Mazda wants this race win. Hmm. John Doonan 
wants this race back. I know there's been some changes that have added weight to the car. They've had some components um, added to the car. Fuel. No, they've, they've, they've put a second starter motor on the car because of the starter changes that they've had. It's added a few pounds, but that is an endurance addition, which I yeah. think is very smart, and I bet that's come from Brad Kettler. And part of what caught them out at Sebring was they had a starter issue on clutch. Right. Yeah, so. that's exactly that, that car's had starter issues in various iterations yeah. down through the years. Uh, just to get you in the mood for Daytona, Shears Raw Shows come next on RS1, worth a listen. But Tim's got a couple of bits of news in brief before we leave you. I'm heading across the road to do the driver interviews in the fan forum if you're somewhere near Daytona at the moment. Tim, what have you got to round up the show? Uh, some IndyCar drivers have uh, confirmed things. Sebastian Bourdais is doing a full season, Max Chilton's doing a full season, Jack Harvey's increased to. 10 races Ten. this season. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and finally, a story that had me a little bit perplexed when I saw the headline. <laughs> uh, this was accompanied by a photograph of Tony Stewart. Right. And it said, uh, F1 drivers need, to need coaches. And I'm thinking, National Express are going to enjoy this. <laughs> Very good. Um, Very good. But it's it driver coaches, coaches like apparently. RVs? Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Okay. And it wasn't Tony Stewart that said it. It was Sir Jackie Stewart, and they just put the wrong picture up. Oh, oh you're kidding me. Here, I was hoping Tony Stewart was going to run the Indy again. Mm. Uh, I simply mm, don't understand good. it, said Sir Jackie. Racing drivers are so clever that they don't need coaches. It's absolutely wrong. There's not a single driver at the highest peak of his skills who would not be assisted by wisdom and observations that he probably had never thought of. Very good. Very good. Um, that's just about it for tonight's show. Check RadioLamont.com and the RS2 schedule. It ought to convert into your browser time. Tim and the team back in London. And here we've got a pretty full squad with, uh, at the moment, Cher, me and Jamie already here. Brian's on telly duty this weekend. So from the UK, uh, we've got Jeremy, of course, he'll be here tonight. From the UK, we've got Bruce Jones, Johnny Palmer and Joe Bradley uh, joining us. Next, it's here from the Raw. Stay tuned and make sure you check that uh, schedule. But for the moment, the Llama is getting very excited because they'll be with the drivers and Fernando Alonso later this evening. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.